on this episode of the Star Wars Time Show. Mad Nick will try not to spend the opening 30 minutes crying about IG wiping their account, but they will travel a bit out of the galaxy to talk about last week's box office Barbenheimer event. The dudes will veer back to the known galaxy to talk some Star Wars outlaws and a wild rumor about John Wick appearing in the Acolyte. So it's not a full-on Barbie world after all. You never know where things may go on a light topic week, so strap in and prepare to be stupefied. Probably in a bad way. Of course, the show will end with the question of the week responses and the latest round of Tapas, Tapas, Tapas. Punch it, too. Now everybody, can anybody hear me? Oh wow, I don't have my lid on. That's always a little scary. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Here we go. Hey now, welcome, welcome. Kung Fu Treachery, big fan of the later start. Hell, we've been doing that since what? When did you have to go back to work, Nick? April? Uh, March? Yeah, like Mar- March. Feels like forever, man. Like Time flies, but then, then like the past feels like forever away. You know what I mean? Like it's, are you one of these people that you feel once the summer crosses July 4th, that the summer's essentially over? Are you like me? I don't fucking track summer anymore. Like there's not even a a thought in my head that passes (laughs) for summer other than the temperature outside. I don't have any kids. I don't work in school. Yeah. See, see, I was going to say, I think that's, that's the point is that having a kid, you kind of get used to the cycle again, you know, the cycle of life and obviously got to deal with them when they're home from school, but it just really is like, I, I just, summer feels like it's going nice and slow. And then July 4th happens and then boom, July's over August kids back in school. Fuck new semester begins. Here we go. It's Christmas. Let's rock and roll. So Ah, boy, let's do this, right? Not a lot of Star Wars to talk about today, my friends. Uh, Mm. Not a lot at all. I mean, luckily, we got some scraps from SDCC. Uh, I I, I was like, we're not even going to touch on the Ahsoka stuff, because all they did was, uh, and I'm sure Nick didn't even see it, I, I only saw it by accident, all they did was have a gallery of some Ahsoka props. So it's like, you know, what can we I do with that on the show? We really can't do shit with that. So Yeah, I, I uh, guess I did see that then because I saw that was like like uh like super scoundrel and like props were putting some stuff up on Instagram just showing like what they were seeing or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. Was, so I mean there's like a it seemed like an exhibit. Uh, Ahsoka's costume was there, screen used. The sabers were there, so you got an up close and personal of Balin and, and um, Shin sabers. Balin's got a pretty slick looking hilt, not gonna lie. Uh, depending on how that character goes and if they're gonna try to immortalize him with collectibles, that could be a saber to add to the collection. It just it's got it's got some personality to it. You know what I mean? It's got like the spikes coming off the emitter. It just looks it looks hard. You know, it looks like a ham ass motherfucking lightsaber. Uh, Shin's a little more elegant. And then Sabine's, what they're calling Sabine's, I mean, it, 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 it's Ezra's. So, Ezra's uh, lightsaber. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, looking, <laughs> it's looking slick. I mean, they, I, I guess I never saw Ezra's live-action practical prop, and it, it's a good-looking blade. 
Uh, he followed a little bit of his masters around the emitter, I believe. Uh, it kind of has the, the Cal Kestis default emitter feel to it. If you're into that milk toast motherfucker. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, they, they, they didn't they didn't give us anything to chew on from SDCC in, 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 as far as Ahsoka goes. But we did get another Outlaws dump. So we'll be talking about that. You know what I mean? Uh, there we go. We got Matty Palanca. He was at SDC, checked him up close and personal. Agrees with me. He knows I'm right. Balin's was the best. Thank you for that field report, Matthew. I still ha- I have both of Ahsoka's sabers. Oh, you do. You got the set like the uh, is it the um, like the masters or whatever the fuck they are? I got it from the parks, the Disney uh, section of of, or the Star Wars section of Disney. um, Whatever it was called. Not it's the can't remember the name of the fucking store now. Savvy's Workshop. That's what it was. Um, Yeah. So I got those from there last time we went to Disney, which was what? 2000. 21 uh, dude you're not booking your the the uh foreclosure flights on the galactic cruiser <laughs> no i mean like that was always i mean that was another one of like bob chap chapik's like really bad ideas to try to like exploit people for more money which clearly didn't work um six thousand dollars for two nights yeah i mean like if anything, i would have done his, it though i would have done it i'm not fucking around like if it, if it didn't just explode no, in disney's face and it was still around I would have done it. There's no fucking doubt about it. I, I'm the fucking rube that they were going for. But yeah, I mean, from a business model standpoint, major fail. Like, major yeah. fail. I mean, that's that's kind of Bob Chappick's legacy as as Disney CEO is he jacked up prices on the parks. He, yeah, he like, was taxing you motherfuckers. Like, he opened up like this super luxury hotel that nobody could afford to stay at. And then what happened? Park attendance went down and nobody went to that hotel. So like, yeah, now he's working at the Sitco. That's kind of how things yeah. go. So yeah, I mean, now you got so, Lord Iger back here waving his magic wand of cost cuttings. Like it just, just slash your fucking bonuses, Bob. And you could probably pay your writers a little bit more. Right, um, so. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of writing, you know, we're, we, we do have some star Wars to talk today. Like I say, star Wars outlaws, we got a pretty big BTS dump from Julian uh, Grady, the creative director hearing a lot more stuff that I'm digging about this game. Like unless they completely fuck it up at launch, Nick, and it's just full of bugs and you, you know, game, game saving gl- or, or game breaking glitches. I don't know how I'm not going to fully enjoy this game and get fully immersed in it. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah, we got some other shit. You never know where to go. I got a special topic in my pocket. No, that is not my erect penis. That is a special topic down there today. So maybe we'll get there. But we got to start things off with some pop culture talk because, Nick, it's been a, it's been a long time due to various reasons, pandemic, uh, apathy for the theater, so on and so forth. But last week, it felt like we had our first normal summer blockbuster release in three years, four years, probably. And I'm talking about the the Barbenheimer event. So both uh, Chris Nolan's Oppenheimer and uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie both launched last week on the 21st. And it, it, it became a thing, like even before the movie came out, like uh, again, brilliant marketing on behalf of the Barbie team, Mattel. I don't know what they did. I don't know whose soul was sold to the devil, but they they smoked it. And then you got this Barbenheimer movement going on. $150 uh, million dollar marketing budget will yeah. do that for you. 
So, well, uh, it made it made one hundred fifty five million dollars and almost doubled Oppenheimer's take. It was the largest haul this this year. It's the tenth largest haul in movie history, at least for a, a summer blockbuster opening weekend during whatever week it released. And if you got to qualify it, they should just they should just give her her due. But it's the the highest grossing female uh, directed, directed opening of all time. Uh, but it just every it, I don't know how it worked, man. You had these two polar opposite films, completely different genres, completely different audiences, yet both of them benefited from this Barbenheimer movement. I mean, Oppenheimer made a cool eighty-seven million. It it outperformed its projections too. So. I um I got in on the fun. Uh, last week was actually a, a triple movie week for me because Stunt Buddy was in town, so we went and checked out uh, Mission Impossible 7. Uh, I'll do a quick one on there, Nick. Uh, I was expecting it to be one of my favorite, and it is not. Uh, there, there's something about Mission Impossible 7 that just, I don't know, it felt a little cheap. It 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 didn't play as well as as like the last two recent ones. Uh, obviously, it's a part one, so you you were contending with that. Uh, they had some CG issues, which is weird for a Tom Cruise movie. I, I wouldn't think he would allow that shit to happen. Uh, some of the edits were a, a bit overreaching on some scenes where they could have benefited from playing things out. But still good, still worth watching if you like MI. But the Barbenheimer stuff blew mi out of the water like if you wanted me to rank the three movies new movies i watched last week it'd be oppenheimer barbie mi7 uh mi7 a far third uh oppenheimer and barbie like i said completely different types of movies uh oppenheimer if you are a a, a nolan fanboy like myself i just found out nick hates the guy so that's always good i like when nick is completely opposite of of what i like uh, but I, I've always enjoyed Christopher Nolan. I think he's one of the best modern filmmakers out there. I, I love how he uses sound, music, and, and and just the way he films shit to tell his stories. And Oppenheimer, for me, Nick, is is one of his three best, I think. I mean, I'm, I, I would put Interstellar and Inception probably in that top three. Uh, obviously, I like his Batman's. Uh, I like the Prestige. I like Memento. I mean, I, I just I like the guy. But Oppenheimer definitely stands out. I love history, love World War II, love science, uh, and so it kind of scratched all those itches. Uh, Killian Murphy is a fucking Mac Daddy. I mean, the guy I would imagine speaks like fifty thousand lines. I mean, it's a three-hour movie, and he's kind of the guy. So that that's a big ass for an actor. So so good for him, but um, it's just it's great. I mean, I didn't know much about Oppenheimer. I know about the Manhattan Project, and obviously, you know, he's the father of the apocalypse and all that shit. But I had no clue about his early ties to you know the some of the socialist communist movements in in America and kind of what happened to him in the fifties with McCarthyism and how he essentially saved our asses and then. Kind of like you're seeing these days where, you know, people don't agree with science or, you know, you get some wackos in Congress launching these hearings and whatnot. He he kind of got beat out of town, shit on, security clearances revoked, was cut out of the Atomic Council until many years later when, you know, America's like, oh, shit, we, we suck. Why do we do that to this guy? Let's give him a medal. So it, it's just. It's Nolan's style of filmmaking with some great biopic style history. 
Barbie, on the other hand, is one of the most unique fucking movies I've ever watched. It is so silly in a great way. It's it's not silly like, oh, it's dumb, you'll like it. It's it's silly in a in a in a way that works perfect for a movie about living plastic dolls that have been living in this Barbie land kind of sequestered from the rest of the real world. And uh, being a, a, a dad girl or a, a, a father of a little girl, knowing the bullshit she's going to go through in life, I absolutely love the message. Uh, it, it, it's probably a little too adult. The me- it, it not, not, it's not like there's, you know, Ken and Barbies and, and they're scissoring in this movie. By too adult, I mean, the, the, the message is, it's not, it's, it's a little more, uh, you got to have a little more brain juice than a seven-year-old to, to fully understand what they're trying to portray with the, you know, the patriarchy and society and, you know, how, how, how women are, are typically not looked at as the same caliber and quality as men just at face value. So I, I, I again, I, I love that message being a father of a little girl. I want her to know that shit as much as possible because you know once she hits middle school high school she's gonna have to start dealing with that reality that she isn't quite the same as her white male father in terms of how society may treat her uh so uh, we enjoyed it charlie liked it but she she liked it for different reasons than i did let's just leave it at that but in the end i think it deserves the opening weekend it has or it had i hope it has some legs I hope word of mouth gets out there. It, this is something you should see. It is more than just a movie about real Barbies. Uh, it, it's good shit. It's good shit. It, you should know it's good and intelligent with the far right's reaction to it. Okay? Like, if you're a normal person that doesn't get all inflamed about women being in control, you'll like it. You'll think it's intelligent. You'll think it's modern. Uh, but if you kind of subscribe to the, you know, the alpha bro, the Rogan way of life, then yeah, you're going to think it's way too woke and uh, you probably should just stay away. So there you go. <laughs> it's well worth it though. Well worth it. It, it, it. I don't think the opening weekend was a fluke. Yeah. I mean, it seems like people are really enjoying it. I mean, so here's what I'll say about the whole kind of craze behind it. Um, I mean, it was clear they had a huge marketing budget from the start. Like I said, they had a $150 million marketing budget, so it was massive. But also, it kind of checks all the boxes to, like, activate people to go to the theaters again. Like, it is the most one of the most recognizable brands on the planet. Like, Barbie is synonymous with children's toys for, I mean, has been synonymous with children's toys for fucking decades now. So like just the name, like the brand value of the name itself was going to rocket that to like a high opening box office. Second thing is, is this like Margot Robbie has like such a huge following just from her work, her previous work in, you know, the DC universe. And then obviously in big films like Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that. So her following is massive and that was going to help it. And I think the other thing that really like pushed it over that edge was Gosling's com- abs and Simu I don't even think abs. that like I, I, I'm gonna like I don't think that Ryan Gosling really moved the needle on this because if you look at the marketing for it he's barely in it like Ryan Gosling is like 
a what about Michael Sarah's Allen? He may be the best character in the movie. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even know he was in the movie. Yeah, because um, he plays. He's like one of the only men in Barbie Land that isn't a Ken. He's a, he's the Allen. He's just like a one-off uh, random doll. Yeah. So like, I I think that it's really it really has to do with the brand recognition of the name Margot Robbie as a whole and the fact that it's a family comedy. Like, I know it's rated PG-13, but like parents. Like, this is the type of movie that, like, parents are going to say, I'm going to take my kid to, but, like, they're going to see it for themselves. And I think that, like... Yeah, we're, we're getting reports. Uh, it, it, it is, like, little kids aren't going to, like, Bat saying his, here, his girls fell asleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, man, listen. Margot is a draw, not just because the way she looks. She's actually quite talented at what she does. But, I mean, I've been, like you said, I think Wolf of Wall Street is where I first kind of keyed on to her and big surprise like some of the scenes she does there it's like if you're a male that prefers the the female uh, uh gender it's it's hard not to notice Margot in the wolf of wall street but obviously she's had a hell of a career beyond there yeah uh, it's I it's think- i don't know listen when i went thursday to oppenheimer and I saw all of the women in their pink and pink dresses. That's when I texted Stump. I was like, Barbie is going to trounce Oppenheimer this weekend. Oh, dude. It, it, like, it was never a competition. And in my opinion, as somebody who, like, does this kind of shit, Oppenheimer got the Oppenheimer got boosted big time by this, like, this duo thing. By this, like, Barbenheimer craze. And yeah, and I was, why. I was, I was seeing at least Thursday and Friday when we went, it was more packs of like older women and their friends going than families. Yeah. I mean, like and, and I don't, Nick, do you, I don't consider that a demo that goes to the movies a lot either together. Do you? No, I mean, my mom and her friends will like go catch like very select movies together. Like every, like, you know, stuff like. Mamma Mia and stuff like that. Like she'll go with her friends to see that. And like, that is the kind of activation that Barbie had. Yeah. And like, like gaggles, man, I'm talking like two, three, four, five, six, like, like they're rolling deep. Yeah. And like the reason that I'm saying, uh, like if, if Barbie was not coming out this weekend and there was no like combo between like Barbie and Oppenheimer and this huge, like truly like viral, this is the first time that I've seen like a truly viral moment happen in like, marketing almost organically like obviously barbie had a huge marketing budget but like the the combo thing that happened with these two movies was like a purely like viral organic thing the first time i've seen it happen in a while for any film and the reason that i think that like it boosted that like oppenheimer got the boost that it got from it like it's made 180 million dollars worldwide um, up to this point, I think Barbie's made 360. So it's like, it's, it's doubled it. But like, here's the thing, all of those things that you said that you liked about that movie, those are not box office draws, like history stories about no, like, no, th- this like, Oppenheimer all, all, is not a summer blockbuster on yeah, paper. Like, it's and not. Then, and then you're, you're also coming off of a rough previous movie from, uh, for yeah, like Tenant from what's his name from Nolan? Like that that movie. That, made that's his worst movie. 
Yeah. Well, I he mean, also like, re- didn't he release it September 2020? I mean, it was like tail end or August 2020. So he was just like, fuck it. I'm putting this in movies. People aren't allowed to watch because it, it, it was like the height of the pandemic. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, I mean, it, it was a bit of a stumble, as Baba Booey would say. Yeah. So like, like obviously bad box office from there, like mixed reviews at best. A lot of people didn't like that movie. So like Nolan was already starting to kind of like dip a bit in the box office. And if I really do feel like if, if Oppenheimer released by itself, you would have gotten maybe half of what you got. No, Nick, weekend. you're not because I'm, I'm a fucking dork. So I was reading all the numbers and early projections for Oppenheimer pre like the Barbenheimer movement was about 40 million. So you're about spot on because listen, Barbenheimer isn't just some fucking cute thing we're saying. There were theaters running this promo yeah yeah like five hours here you go barbenheimer sign up so it was it was a real deal thing and you know what good good for cinema good for movie making like i don't care if you hate nolan if you hate greta if you hate girls you hate history as someone that loves going to the movie theater filmmaking in general i am i'm i i felt good for the industry last week i was like well there you go we 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 still can get out in droves and go watch fucking movies to motivate these assholes to pay their people so we can start seeing new stories within the next year or so because talking to stunt buddy you know he's he's obviously he's in sag aftra and he's like listen if, if if we don't get i think they go back to talk in september and he, if he's like, if they don't get something done there, you're looking at any movie plan for the fall probably getting pushed because the talent is not allowed to promote. So think of a movie like Dune 2 set for November 3rd. If they don't get the shit figured out quickly in the fall, Dune's probably getting pushed. Even though it's done, the talent is not allowed to promote. So the studios are not going to release these things. Oppenheimer, guess what? When they were out on their, their press tour, the moment the strike came down, the entire cast walked off the stage because they would be essentially scabs if they did not do so. So, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess get, get, in the, get into the theater while you can because there is a chance some of the new releases planned for late fall, early fall could be getting bumped because of this, this strike stuff. So it was at least good to see that they still can get butts and seats in large numbers and, and, uh, you know, kind of prove to some of these assholes like, yeah, yeah. Making movies is still a worthwhile investment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for the theaters. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how these studios react or how they come to the table in September. I mean, a 24, the, you know, the smaller kind of independent movie, uh, production studio has already like, um, signed, uh, like I think they, like whatever they did, like they, they like, they have capitulated to whatever the asks were that SAG-AFTRA had and the writers guild. So like they're allowed to work again, like people like actors and writers and stuff like that can go back to work on a 24 film. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought like the, their union would have to like vote on that, but yeah, you never know what sort of caveats are in those contracts and yeah, and I the mean, language like the like, lawyers use. Like they went to like they essentially like went to both of the guilds and were like, hey, we are like we agree to all your terms, like whatever terms that, that, okay. that the right. Writers Guild and the SAG Guild were like putting out there as their like positions for the studios to like 
accept or or you know not accept like a24 is like hey we we accept and we're there and sag and uh the writers guild were like all right well let's go back to work with a24 now everybody else fuck you so all right well there we go we'll we'll, we'll be getting some good uh i, I don't even consider a24 indie anymore but i guess they they still kind of are even though they they've put out some pretty great films over the past few years if you're, if you're paying attention uh, them Bloomhouse. I mean, Bloomhouse kind of cornered like the horror market indie style. They they've put out some good shit as well. So hey, you never know. But uh, if we ever get a Star Wars movie back in theaters, hopefully Barbie two or three is releasing at the same time, so it can get a little bit of that Barbenheimer love mm-hmm. uh, that that Oppenheimer did. Because I have a feeling it's going to need it by the time Star Wars hits the theaters again, if ever. Um, hey, there, yeah, that's right. I, I saw that today. UPS uh, uh, and the Teamsters reached a historic agreement today. So I don't know. Maybe that maybe that'll push the the elites or the entertainment industry, but I I doubt it. I mean, just last really... week, Nick, I, I got a quick one here. Um, Stunt buddy again in town. I haven't seen him for a long time. We went out to eat, and he's like, "Look at this shit." Apparently, at Universal Studios, there's all these like big trees. And it was right where the strikers were picketing. Oh, they cut the trees. Yeah, so yeah. overnight they they trimmed the trees without a permit. You know, this is in California, so shit's pretty liberal. Like, if you're going to fuck with nature, you you need to get a pass to fuck with nature. So Universal, they're like, yeah, whatever. They just fucking shaved them all down. Now the city, I think, is going to sue them, this, that, and the other thing. But it was to fuck the strikers and not give them any shade. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. these... These, these, you got to understand that the people that run companies in a capitalistic society, corporate America, corporate anywhere, they're fucking horrible people. Like they may go home to their family and be like, oh yeah, I love you. I go to church and all this shit. But deep down the choices they make should send them to hell. If there is a hell and a God that judges humans. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like the, if you were like still on the fence about like who to support in this thing, which I don't know why you would be, but like, just think about that. They literally like these people were just standing outside in the shade when the, the United States is going through a historic heat wave. And what do they do? They, they trim the trees to cut the shade out for, for like people who are just striking for better wages and like to not be replaced by AI in the future. Like, come on. Like what, what, like well, hey, it's, it's BMAD's got a point and, and I'll explain why BMAD's saying here on the live stream, by the way, if you want to join the live stream, five P East Tuesdays, youtube.com slash star Wars time show, come hang out with the regulars, myself and Nick, uh, but BMAD, BMAD saying here, I've seen a lot of people talking crap about the writers and he's not wrong. You got to remember who owns the media, who owns CNN, Warner brothers, <laughs> who owns ABC, Disney, all right. You can go down the list like any major news ne- network, be it cable news or lo- local news is the worst. That's controlled by like far right overlords at this point in time. Just th- there's clips out there from John Oliver. Just go watch it. They read the same copy across the nation. It's it's freaky. But any of these cable news or bigger news outlets, they're all controlled by the companies that their employees are striking from. So what do you think the tone, the messaging is going to be in the news? It's, Oh, these whiny elite fucks. Look at these pieces of shit. They, you know, we give them this and that, and they're in Hollywood. Some of them are famous, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's called FUD. FUD is used in a lot of sectors. 
Uh, I believe the term comes from, you know, the finance sector, but that, that, that's fun. You just put out a bunch of fear, uncertainty and, and bullshit about the demand or the lack there of it. And you can move meters and it works because as we've tried to teach you on the Star Wars time show, everyone needs media li- literacy. Like you've got to be able to read through the messaging and understand what is real, what's not. What are the facts? What's bullshit? But pretty much anything you're going to get about this strike on the news is going to be tainted from the side of the corporations. So, yes, they're going to make the the striking talent look like piles of garbage. (sighs) All right. You know, you you come here for Star Wars and you get you get learned on something. And something's the key word there, because I don't really know (laughs) at the time what the fuck we're talking about. All right, don't worry about it, Comic Dad 42. You're never late. Uh, if you're here for the top five, we always do that last anyway. It's so last strap year. in for more Barbenheimer talk. Fuck Star Wars time. Okay, we talked about Ethan Hunt and his less than great uh, sequel there. So let's get into some of that Star Wars time. All right. So, uh, you know, speaking of price tags and the cost of, of making entertainment, our, our, our next story here is, is pretty relevant, especially based on what we were talking about last week with, you know, costs and Bob Iger trying to, to shave off like three and a half billion out of their five and a half billion budget. And most of that's going to come at the expense of Marvel, little Lucasfilm here and there. You never know. So um, a news a report came out today, Nick, from Forbes. So I was like, all right, Forbes, they, they kind of know their money shit, I think. And uh, it, it was about the Acolyte and its hefty price tag for pre-production. So this is where we need Nick here because I, as I read this article, I'm like, what are they, are they talking about pre-production? Is it like pre as in all the shit they do before they go shoot? Or are they talking about the actual production and it's pre-post who the fuck knows but they're throwing out some weird numbers so i want to get your thoughts on this so so the main crux of the article and again i don't know why the acolyte is getting picked on for budgets and whatnot especially at this time when disney's looking at cutting shit i think it's all relays back to you know women are running it and this that and the other thing but anyways it was released today and it sounds like disney released it that the Acolyte's pre-production budget reached $49 million. So, Nick, as you read that or as you're reading it now, when, when it says pre-production, is that like all the concept art phase and, and casting and costume design? Or is that still or is that like building the sets and shooting and so on and so forth? Yeah, so like for for it's it's tough because I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what like goes into pre-production costs. So I looked it up, but here it says this, I mean, breaking down standard film budget, pre-production. Um pre-production is uh developing the script, assembling the cast, finding locations. Um standard film expenses at this stage depend on the complexity of the screenplay and the talent involved. Um Stuff like that. So that seems like $49 million seems like pay is like, is like your pay for your cast and your crew, the development of your script and your locations. So that's kind of 
from what I can gather, that's how that breaks down. All right. So let, let's give them some context. So, you know, we just threw out that number there and you're probably like, who gives a shit? It, it's the it's entertainment biz. Forty nine million dollars really doesn't sound like that much. But according to Forbes, the Acolytes forty nine million dollar pre-production is was more than what was spent to pre-produce Rogue One and almost as much as what it took to pre-produce TLJ. Now, I, I that comparison to me, Nick, isn't quite apples to apples because those are films. They're, uh, you know, they, they may have a big, bigger production. It may not. But again, we're, we're dealing with maybe a two to two and a half hour runtime versus these shows where it could be six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours worth of content. So you're talking about yeah. the Acolyte could potentially be two to three movies, depending on the runtime of its episodes. So, yeah. So I, 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 I don't that, really get comparing it to the movies to start. So I, I think that because of how pre-production costs are calculated and it not having to do with like shooting days and, 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 and like camera operators and like all of the stuff that goes into like the production side of the budget, since it is more based on like paying your talent, script development, directors, locations and stuff like that, like that's why they're making the comparison because they're like, well, look at this pre-production for a TV show versus pre-production for a movie. And that's what they're trying to say. It's like the pre-production for a movie or like previously, like before Prestige TV and before you had streaming services that were making like, you know, truly like like movie quality TV shows, your pre-production, your production and your pre-production budget on a TV show would always be lower maybe your production budget would would be like a little bit more similar because you have more days of production on TV than you do on movies. Um, but I think what they're pointing to is that like the ta- the cost of the talent and the cost of like potentially location filming and, and script development is what they're really like pointing to. All right. And, I, and, and, I look at it as like, good, Let, let's, let's invest as much money as we can in the pre, like let's, let's get it as practical looking as we can, which could very well be the case. Cause we've seen set leaks of the acolyte and they're out there. Like they're not fucking off with the volume. They built towns. They're out in the grass over there in the UK, Pinewood, wherever the fuck they shot Shinfield. Um, so, so I mean, yeah. I, I, it, it, the number to me is not shocking. All right. It, it, it makes complete sense when you consider the scope of these Star Wars TV shows. I mean, we've heard Mandalorians, you know, they, they could run upwards of $100 million to produce. Uh, I'm assuming that encompasses the pre production budget, production, and, and post. Uh, and, and Acolyte will probably be right around that. I mean, they're, in, in the article, they also said Andor was more expensive than the Acolyte, but they, they yeah. cited COVID regulations and, and whatnot for that so yeah i, I, I guess mean, it's it, it really doesn't surprise me it's, i guess i'm more like why is this a news story today well because the studios want you to see like this look how much money go. we're spending on go. these shows you got that's it why. you got it. i was I, I, I was putting it out there but yeah that's exactly <laughs> what this is I, I mean it's almost like bob Iger himself <laughs> ran this fucking story or gave it to forbes because Forbes did say that Disney released the numbers. It's like, okay, why are they doing it now? I mean, Acolyte's a, a year or more away. It's like, what's the point? But yeah, you you got it. You hit the nail on the head. This is the, the FUD stuff, my friends. It's, oh, look at this. 
These fuckers, we gave them $49 million and they're still not working, these lazy-ass, greedy pieces of shit. I mean, it's... And look, what, like what it comes down to is like for pre-production costs, if you're like, if you're, okay, so let, let, let's try to do the comparison between, like they did, between Rogue One and this show. Pre-production costs include script development, it includes your director, like your cast and crew, and it includes on location filming and stuff like that. As at least as far as I know, I mean, trust me, if there's somebody else who like, if there's somebody who works in the industry that has much more knowledge or like about it, like, please correct me. But like, this is what I'm finding. Um, the cast of this show is, is like an ensemble cast and it is a lot of recognizable names. True. Um, which is going to increase your pre-production cost because recognizable names demand a higher cost than non-recognizable names. If you compare that to uh, Rogue One, um, you had like your primary cast members were were Diego Luna, who was, I mean, you could argue that, like, I don't know how big he was at the time he was cast, and Felicity Jones. Those are your two primary stars. I can't, I, I'm not, again, like, I'm not really familiar with Felicity's background in her previous work. And Diego was another one that like had she, never really she was definitely the, the big name. Uh, Diego, I think, barely had any credits in American entertainment anyway. at that point in time. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So like so the, there's your your comparison there for like your stars and stuff. So, I mean, like if anything, it would probably be a very similar like cast casting budget if I had to take a guess. I mean, the only one that's really in there that's going to really shoot your, potentially shoot your casting budget up for Rogue One was Forrest Whitaker. Because Forrest Whitaker, Oscar award winning actor, obviously, um, not sure. Porkali! Not sure what his cost was. Um, He earned every every dollar for that portrayal of Crazy Saw. That was one of the weirdest fucking things I ever saw. I was like, eh. I like let's I like Andor Saul better than Rogue One Saul. Than Rogue One, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Saul's a little Saul's a he little. Forrest had a little too much freedom in Rogue One, in my opinion. Yeah, he like he really went crazy, literally for his character in Rogue One. So, um, but yeah, script development. So like, versus like you have one script that you're writing for a movie versus multiple scripts that you write for a TV series. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. So maybe your script yep. writing. Makes sense. Cost goes up a little bit. Um, so look, I mean, it's just they're, they're bigger productions. Even yeah. though it's on, for a smaller screen, they are bigger productions. Yeah, and it's. I think that like that's something again that like is new for studios. Studios are used to being able to create television shows for super cheap. I mean, like, yep. Go look at fucking. Modern Family, or go look at like any live yeah, action. Yeah, the old, the old. What is it? Three or four camera on a on a set, scripted yeah. television. Yeah, like stuff like that has super low production costs because you're not on location. You're working with a two, three camera setup, like you're talking about. Some of these are working with fucking one camera setups. Like I think Friends was a one camera setup that there was not more than one camera, maybe two. Um, you know, so you have so like the, the production budget of these TV shows has gone up immensely because that is what like people have been looking for recently, especially 
after like I think the 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 one that really kind of kicked shit in the high gear was Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones when that came out was like huge production budget, yep. but it was yeah, HBO. You're right. you're right. It was it was it was truly like it may not have been like what you could consider the first of first prestige television show, but like that's the one that sparked everybody else to be like, "Hey, what can we acquire? What can we make? What yes. can we do? Let's to start do doing something. some long form, you know, branded IP, existing yeah. IP that has not been on a screen before. Yep. You yeah. got it. So like realistically, that business model for new television has only been around for what, 10 years? Like when did the first season of Game of 2010, Thrones? 2010, I'll never forget. So, yeah. So th- about 13 years it's been around. So it's relatively new and at the time, I mean, and you know, like at the time that this shit was going on, this is when studios were making, you know, like movies were fucking through the roof. You're at the height of the MCU. Like you, you just films were exploding. Like everything was making so much money at the box office. Like you would have films that are making seven, eight, nine times their, their production budgets at the, at the, at the box office. So like studios are like, well, we got all this extra money from, the movies that are hitting at the box office, like let's see if we can like really start to make these, these like prestige TV type of productions. And that's when this stuff comes around. And that's when your budgets for a TV show go from, you know, your, your cast is making $50,000 per episode to now your cast is making potentially triple that, uh, or, you know, and you know, your, your, your location, budget you now have a location budget because you're filming tv shows on location you have budgets that you know you have to have budgets for things that you didn't have before so now it's like they're like they were super happy to make them when you know they're getting record box office numbers that's the other thing i wanted you to (laughs) like they make all these comparisons to the movies and tv but i i still don't think we have a formula for does a streaming tv show how do how do we deem if it made money or not? Right. We, yeah. we don't. How do you do that? Because you can't. I, I guess unless you got someone there that is only examining the data points of people that signed up, then watched a newly released streaming show. How can you truly judge how much a streaming series actually makes movies? I mean, it's, it's easy. It's, it's like, OK, it, it it took this much to make it, promote it, hype it. This is what the dummies paid us in ticket sales. You subtract the one from the other. Boom. That's our profit. Streaming. I just, I don't even know how you ever come up with a formula for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guarantee you if you, it like some, like these streaming services or like these big streamers that are owned by, um, like big studios, they do have somebody that's doing that. Okay. If if they, if they don't, they're really just hey, bad slightly slightly off topic but not really did you see the viral clip of uh warner brothers ceo getting um not hazed but uh he was doing a graduation speech at a college david zaslav or whoever he is yeah. he, he makes like fucking 150 million dollars a year to be a, a dick face he was at a pretty prestigious college and apparently all the students, when he started talking, turned their back to him and just started chanting, pay your riders. I mean, good job. Pay your riders. <laughs> you know, good for these young motherfuckers. Yeah. My, my generation, I, I, we've, we've already missed the boat. I, I thought my generation might affect some change. No, 
we're we're just as shitty as our own parents. There's still a lot of fucked up thinking in in uh what am I Gen X something like that. Gen X, I think. You yeah, but you know what? I I don't even think we can count on the millennials. It's it's Gen Z may be our saviors, and I know that's probably making some of you vomit. But like you know, people my age they 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 tolerate the the likes of David Zaslav making this type of money and telling the creatives to go fuck themselves. So I, I like seeing I mean, that type of shit. Good, good for always, young people. It's always the younger generation that is like, effect, like that tries to at least. Like I know, when, but it, do, do you now, <laughs> Nick? Do you think Gen Z will ultimately like the rest of us? They'll just get complacent and be like, "Yeah, fuck it. Oh no, yeah, we we yeah. can't I mean, fix it. All, We're fucked. We're all gonna die. Who cares?" Every 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 generation does, but it's also like, <laughs> but but then like that's the baton handoff is like when. When the generation, like when millennials right. are all in their 30s, their early 30s, mid 30s, like the the handoff goes to the next generation, and the same thing will happen for generations. It's just like we, we have very incremental, small improvements, but not as big as they should be. All right, because anyways. at a certain point, it gets to like then then you're starting like a majority of your generation starts to be like hypocritical because it's like well, yeah, okay, they'll, they'll, yeah once someone gets a high paying job they're like yeah fuck you losers i'm making that bang <laughs> so, yeah i mean it's like you let's know, keep the machine they, going it's paying so, me yeah so i mean like and that happens to everybody in every gen or not not everybody but a lot of people in every generation it's like okay well like now i'm in a c-suite but like so what do you, what choice do you make do you want to still like yeah. Put your voice out there as somebody who wants to like fight for the little guy. It's or do so you want to sad. Keep your mouth shut. Like that's it's, what it comes down to. It's so sad, but so true. Um, I love it. I but yeah, I mean, it. like the production budget of the. I mean, like one. This is why they're going to start cutting budgets for all of their shows, or they're going to start making less shows, is because production. Like now, they can feel the production costs. Apparently, from what they're saying, that they they can finally feel the production costs. Sure. Um, I, I got so. one for you from uh, Comical Content Goblin. I think a, a new member of the stream here. Welcome there, CCG. Uh, they're asking, honestly, they should do theatrical releases for big TV shows that are on streaming. Do you ever see that getting done? And, and Or how would they do that? I've seen some things that are similar. Like, um, for those of you who are fans of D&D... Um, and who are aware of the D&D space, um, Critical Role, which is the biggest streaming D&D show on the planet right now, um, they'll do content We're, we're number two, in, by the way. Scoundrels of the New we're, Republic. We're right we, yeah, we checked the charts. We're already number two. Yeah. Um, but they, uh, they do theatrical releases for some of their new content. Like whenever they do, like if they do like a big event or something like that, or like the okay. first episode of a new season or a new campaign, they'll release that in theaters and they have a deal with Cinemark theaters and they yeah, have see, fucking huge releases for it. Yeah. Could, it's like it's easily you could do stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You just, you wonder why, you know, the Paramounts of the world, the Disney's of the world haven't gone to the AMC's or the, the Regal's if they still exist, Cinemark's. So like, Hey, listen, after a year or so, you guys can, you guys can have this or Hey, if you want it right now, it's going to cost you a premium, something like that. But like I, I think that they should do it to where it it releases like the first day that it releases on Disney Plus, or like even like a day before it releases on Disney Plus, your first two episodes drop in theaters. Go see it. Like that yeah, kind of kind of like what it. they did with Andor, and they put it on regular TV after a while, right? Like they, they they I think it was like the first two episodes. 
You, you would. It, 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 or if they did like a full season, I guess for the nut jobs, you could do a binge, but you would almost have to do like a, a week event. You, you watch two episodes a day or something like that. I, I mean, I, I know there's some nuts out there that would be like, no, I'm going to fucking wear a diaper and sit through all seven hours of Mandalorian season three. You know what? Good for you. I might have done it in another another lifetime or a few decades ago, but what what sort of cadence would you see with this? Or, or do you think it would just be here? Here's it all. And good luck. You're here for eight oh, no. hours today. Like, like, I think that like you have to do it as like a demand generation tactic. Like if you release the first two episodes in theaters, that's roughly the time of a movie. Like it's about an hour and a half. Yeah. And or for sure clocked. I think it was like 90 minutes or something like yeah. that. So somewhere around there. So you only, re- you, this is what I would do if I was Disney, if I was the, the head of Disney marketing. I would release the first two episodes of particularly big shows like The Mandalorian. Ahsoka coming four. up, right? Ahsoka. Let's, let's just talk about that. I mean, that one's coming up. I mean, you could do Ahsoka, but Ahsoka's just, it doesn't have the groundswell behind it and it doesn't have the name recognition and it doesn't have the, like, it. it's not going to be, it's not your flagship. I'll put it that way. Like, you're you're not gonna make money off well, of this. Well, at this point, it, the only it. Star Wars flagship is probably Mando, and then the exactly. other Disney flagships would have been the Marvel TV shows. Exactly. So that's a, like Mando season four. This is what I'm doing. If I if I'm truly worried about uh, streaming services like like unsubscribes, people not coming back, stuff like that, I've released the first two episodes of Mando season two as in theaters. As many theaters will take them. Because one, that's ticket prices that you would never like. You, you're not going to get that. Okay, like, so you're going to do like the the carrot dangling, like, hey, here well, yeah. we're going to tickle like, your tits, you, and then you got to go pay us the the eight dollars a month. Subscribe. Yeah, yeah, all right. So that's yep. how I would do it because yeah. you're you're one, you're getting money in the door from a theater that you usually wouldn't be getting because usually these shows don't come out in theaters. True. If you do a two episode release, boom, you get that plus you're going to increase your subscribe, your potential subscriber reach because people who see the first two episodes and aren't subscribed to Disney plus may be like, Hey, well, I'm going to go subscribe now so I can see the rest of the series. And that like, that is a funnel for those of you who don't work in marketing or for those of you who do work in marketing, you know what a funnel is. That is a funnel from like Nick wants like, to suck all our money out of our pockets yeah, right into his mouth. Your, <laughs> Your high intent users that are interested in seeing a Star Wars show in theaters. So you get them there and then you bring them down your funnel into your streaming service, which has your recurring monthly subscription cost and has other access to content, Star Wars content that they may not have seen yet. So that's how I would do it. But what do I know? I mean, Um, it it makes a ton of sense. I'm just sitting here kind of dreaming about it. I I mean, imagine Mando seasons four coming out. Hey, first two episodes in theater. Can you like people like us? I mean, come on. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's go. How many people can we get in this theater? Hey, my AMC rents out theaters. You guys want to just fucking get our own? Let's let's do it. Let's you, you could make you could turn it into an event. You know, it'd almost be like going to watch Star Wars movies at the theater. Does anyone else remember what that used to be like? It's been so long. I mean, yes. So let's do it. I I think at this point, we just essentially created a consultation company. So I'm going to go ahead and and trademark it right now. We're going to start our next venture. Fuck Star Wars time show. We're just going to go around and try to get these deals done. 
I and mean, that's how you and I are going to become the next David Zaslav and make $150 million for doing nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's like, it's a no brainer, but I also think that like the people who work in high, like all of the high level C-suite CMOs, you know, your chief marketing officer, VP of marketing, president, marketing president, whatever the fuck you call them. Like they're, they've been in these positions in standard studios for so long. And like, they never had, like, you don't have to think of new stuff. Like you don't have to, you follow the tried and true marketing tactics for TV and, and, and movie that you've done for decades. But now it's like, why are you not thinking outside of the box? Like, why are you not trying to figure out different ways, especially now when just what we talked about TV production budgets and TV, like TV show, like prestige TV show quality is to the level of films. So it's not oh, like easily, you're putting out easily, you know, like you're not putting out, you know, some, some random 30 minute, you know, sitcom that single camera on onto a big screen. Like you're not doing that. You're putting out the first two episodes of a TV series that cost you almost $200 million to make. Like it, it's, it, it makes total sense to, to like take that. What is all like, you're already developing it for a big screen feel anyway. So like put it out on a big screen a day before it drops on Disney plus build hype, get people into the theaters. And then those people who are not subscribed will subscribe at probably a 70% rate after that, after that showing, like there's hey, no way like that I they said, don't. Let's, let's go. Let, let's get the charter written. B mad just volunteered. He'll be our, he'll, he's employee. Number one, he'll be our sales guy for the street. You know, um, <laughs> I obviously can't be front facing because of how I can act sometimes. So that would have to be you. Uh, I would just kind of hang out in the back and make sure everything is operating as, as planned. Okay. I, I would be the Palpatine. Yeah. I'll be and Palpatine. Like you'd be Vader. Does, and then, you know, B mad can be like, uh, you know, like Mayor, <laughs> Mayor Jade or something like that. Yeah. But like, I think that one thing that they also have to think about is if they really are trying to do a like crossover movie thing for the Mando verse, one thing I already said, uh, I said, get people right, used to seeing Mando yeah, in theaters, right? Like get it, get them used to it. Because if you say like, Hey, uh, you know, Mando crossover movie is going to be a theatrical release only just like they're going to like what they're doing with their like Marvel stuff now is like, Oh, we're going to do theatrical release only for Mando crossover event. Okay. So here's your problem there. You better make that very fucking clear, like super clear to all of the Disney plus subscribers who have been longtime subscribers and are expecting. Yeah, it to come to exactly. You better make like. it like just abundantly clear that you have to go to the theaters to see this. Also, for the people who are not Disney plus watchers, they're going to think that like, oh shit, new Star Wars movie. So excited to see it. They're going to go and see it and be like, what did I miss? Like, wh why? Like, how am I not up to date on whatever is happening here in, in this, this movie? Because you have essentially five years of storytelling or whatever it's going to be before it releases seven years of storytelling that they needed to be up on before they see this movie. And if you're right. not exposing them to the content prior and you're just, you're literally just relying on the fact that like, well, probably everybody's seen our Disney plus TV shows. That's going to be an issue. Like you need to, you need to make sure that like you're exposing these, these different audiences to your content before that time comes. But, um, Hey, real quick, sticking with the, the Mando movie, 
knowing what we know now, you know, knowing Bob returned and, and the movie was announced at Celebration, do you think the Mando movie is a result of Bob's cost-cutting initiatives? I mean, do you think ultimately they had more seasons planned out? Because that, that's how I remember all this being explained is like, hey, all these shows, they're going to be TV shows, Rangers, Boba, Mando, blah, blah, blue. And then they will eventually like the MCU cross over into a, an event. I don't uh, think it has anything to do with Iger because I doubt that that would be the first thing that he would do is like, hey, we're going to make this a movie. In fact, I think that like, if anything, he would have been like, we're not going to make this a movie and we're going to cut your TV production budgets. Um, because regardless of how you look at it, there is a far higher marketing cost for movies than there are for TV shows. Just straight up. It's, it's not even a question. Yeah, I, dude, I was trying to, I think it was in the Forbes article, but they really went into how they figure out if a movie makes money. Because, you know, you and I were like, hey, Solo... It did this at box office. This is what it costs. So it did make some money. But in the end, they have like this formula. It's like, but is it a 1.22 SFS? Blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's so fucking quasi accounting. It's hard to figure out how they determined if a movie was profitable or not. Oh, yeah. I mean, because they're they're like, yeah, uh, it was like, what was it? Rogue One made a billion dollars internationally, but it only ended up making three hundred million dollars. And I'm like, how is that even real? But that's what they say based on this this magic formula. You have I mean, there's so much you have to think about, especially in international that you don't like for international movie releases that you don't have to worry about for international streaming releases because you own, you own the content distribution system for, for streaming. Like you don't have to worry about marketing it or something like that. Content distribution internationally usually is licensed through a third party company. Well, you're you're also not splitting sales with the theater either. Like you lose some of your profit to the theater for, for screening a movie. Yeah. So like, you have to take in like international distribution rights. You have to take in all of this other shit for movie releases that you don't. So if anything, I would imagine Bob would have been like, this ain't a movie motherfuckers because I ain't paying the marketing and the, the international distribution yeah, yeah. All right. costs okay. for this shit. Okay. All right. um, yeah. So I imagine that it's going to be more expensive. Um, I think that the reason that they're doing it as a theatrical release is because that, that to me is John and Dave being like, look, we have done so much work. Yeah, we can get this done. We can actually do this. We've got characters. We've got a story. It's no bullshit. It's not just on a storyboard, on a whiteboard in a conference room. We actually got this shit. Yeah. And, and like, but also for them, they're like, look, we've, we've, like, it's, it's unquestionable that Star Wars was a huge reason that Disney's, that Disney Plus's subscriber count rocketed the way that it did. Like, you can go back and look at early adoption rates for Disney Plus and what was driving it was Mandalorian. Of Unquestionably. course. Of course. Like, that's really the only else. thing that released when it when it came yeah. out in 2019. That was it. That was its flagship show. Like, hey, this is so why like, you want Disney Plus. Exactly. So what they're so what John and Dave are doing is like, look, we have slogged our asses off here, like building this entire universe for a TV dist- like for for TV, for a streaming service. And now like we want to like and and they feel like that they've earned the silver screen with this crossover event. 
Yeah, it's almost and, like and, a it's almost like a reward for Filoni. It's to give him a movie now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, all right, boy, we started you in animation. You graduated to TV. Now we're going to knight you in full. You get to make a movie. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what their thought process is. And also, like, you know, but again, like, as somebody who's, like, looking at this from a financial aspect, I, it could, like, this could be a... A, a bomb in the theaters if they don't treat if they don't handle their right, like no. the content releases it is a movie because, it's a star wars movie so it may <laughs> it may not be real anyways yeah i mean who knows but um yeah i mean it's 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 interesting to see how this goes i mean i'm still excited for it um to come out and i think that it's it, it has the potential to be one of the the best star wars movies it, out there if sure you have does. the prerequisite knowledge of the content like that's, <laughs> yeah that's you have to big, like you have to before it airs in theaters there'll be like a five minute story so far catch up like they do on on tv shows in between episodes uh well anyways back to the acolyte which is I'm legitimately pumped for this show. I know it's got a lot of negativity around it, at least out there in the Star Wars fan media, but at least Matt from the SWTS is, I am eager to see it. And we're not quite done talking about it. And this one I think is complete internet bullshit. Uh, But in addition to the the hefty price tag news, Forbes also just kind of threw in this this rumor that popped up last week that I kind of, passed on because it came from giant freaking robot and their track record recently isn't the best. Uh, I feel like they do just kind of throw shit out there. Like we should try every once in a while. Cause who gives a fuck anymore? It's not like we have a following anymore. <laughs> so it's like we could do whatever we want again. I, I kind of like it. I think on Instagram, I'm just going to start taking pictures of my Brown eye and saying it's like different star Wars planets and see what happens. Um, but anyways, Forbes ran with this. I was like, all right, we'll talk about it. But in the article about Acolyte's pre-production costs, they also just casually throw out there like, oh yeah, there's a rumor last week that Keanu Reeves is now attached to the Acolyte in a a cameo capacity, Nick. And, you know, obviously everyone makes the connection. Well, Carrie Ann's in it. They're reuniting the, the, the Matrix team. And uh, I'm like, listen, I I know fans have been trying to cast Mr. Reeves in the Star Wars for a long time. Nick, I I don't know if you've seen it. A lot of them, a lot of us or a lot of them that do the fan casting want to be Darth Revan. Um, There was another like old Jedi. It starts with a V or something, possibly. Um, So I I don't know. Like I said, this coming from Giant Freaking Robot. Forbes ran with it. So I guess they they're like, all right, fine. GFR. I would say, did anybody, uh, did like anybody like check this or are they just saying that like, there's, there's something out there? <laughs> no, they, they didn't even cite GFR. Like Forbes just like, oh yeah, the rumor last week, Keanu Reeves is, uh, going to have a cameo in the Acolyte. So I'm like, okay, let, let's just play with this. If this is even real. Yeah. I, I kind of I mean, look at it as like a, a waste if we're going to bring in Keanu as a cameo first and foremost. And, and two, it just seems way too convenient in Hollywood to have him and Carrie Ann reunite in a Star Wars project. Yeah. I mean, in, in definitely think that it's a little like it, it's a little odd that he would come in in a cameo fashion in a TV show that's like. I mean, it's going to be good for sure, but like, it's not, it, it, like, it makes sense. Like him flagship. and Acolyte would, would, would work kind of, you know, I mean the, the, the setting and 
He's he's got the look. We I mean I used a fucking forty seven Ronin just to kind of you know line things up what he, what he may look like. But uh, hey, look, I would love to have Keanu Reeves in Star Wars. I would oh, yeah, love him to, to play too. Darth Revan. I don't want him to have just some shitbag cameo in the Acolyte. Yeah, I, I, I like if they did it to where it's like almost a tease of. Oh yeah, okay. If we're else. gonna yeah, if we're gonna build upon this, like is, is he Plagueis? Is he is, is it? I I wouldn't even like Revan in the Acolyte, even as like a spirit or a vision, doesn't make sense because the dude redeemed himself technically at least through Legends content. So. I, to me, I, if if this is true and Reeves has a cameo, I think he, he's like a fucking villager schmo or like I, a shop be, schmo. Uh, I would be very surprised if um, if this actually happened because it yeah, just doesn't make any it, sense. It doesn't. It does. It just. It, it seems too fan cast like Bat saying in here. Uh, Nova saying, "What if it's like an Andy Circus as Kino type of role?" Sure, but. Uh, that that wouldn't be a cameo. I mean, that that's more of a guest star where you know you yeah, come back. Yeah. I mean, a cameo is yeah, truly like, like, "Hey, how you doing, Carrie Ann's character's name? It's a swell day out today, like and here, that's it. Here's like you're the done." Only way that I would like a cameo from Keanu Reeves is if it was a like a, if they're like going through, and th- these are Sith, and you know Sith are always interested in like Sith lore, finding Sith history, stuff like uh, that. Like if he's a hol- if he was in a uh, okay, there you go, in a so, Sith hologram. I, I just a, pulled uh, up comical content goblin. He he had you. He was reading your mind. Darth Revan holocron. Yeah, like it would have to be something like that. Either uh, either like in a full holocron form, or in like some sort of like old data bank. They find something from Revan when he was okay. in his that, Jedi yeah. days. Something like that. That like, would be cool. That would be a th- nice little tip of the hat. All right. I, okay, you talked me down. I could I could get behind that, but I I still think this is bogus as fuck. I like what what Bad is saying here. Keanu as Bendu or we riot. If if you're not familiar with Bendu, he's the big like, like almost like a tree moose looking motherfucker in, in Star Wars Rebels that uh, teaches Kanan a few things uh, about the Force. Yeah, so Bendu is like is, is a fun character. Bendu. Yeah, that, he was. <laughs> well, I mean, Keanu and the way he he delivers lines would work for the the Bendu. You know, like he can definitely do that that drawn out almost monotone delivery very wise yeah thing. yeah but I, I i like what you're saying and and kind of what comical content goblin that that would be a cool that's how you would do a keanu reeves cameo in star wars i i agree with that anything else would seem like a waste unless he was like a, a, a real character but even there it's like i know some people have hard-ons against famous actors coming to star wars i mean that, that's why they're so bent about jack black and and Lizzo and whatnot. Uh, but in the end, if, if the, if the story is written correctly and the actor is doing their job, it, it shouldn't fucking matter. You should be able to like get beyond the fact that it's John wick. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not that hard. All right. Keanu is Darth Tenebris. You would know more Darth about Ten- that one, right? Darth Tenebus. Ten, ten buses. What is it? How do you say? It? I don't know if the, like, t- it's Tenebris is what okay. he's going for, comical content goblin. And it, he's another like ancient Sith from the Star Wars, the Old Republic game. Right. And Plagueis um, would be a waste because from what we know, he's an alien, right? I mean, he's like got a big ass dome, right? He's either Nemoidian yeah. or, or some yeah. crazy fucking like, alien guy. 
Yeah, like t Tenebrous. Well, I guess like it depends on, or is that a different? There's so many different fucking people in this. Tenebrous was uh, Plagueis's master, but there was another Tenebrous that was in fucking the Star Wars: The Old Republic game. Um, yeah, so this I think what he's talking about is like he would be Plagueis's master. Or you could do the old uh, kind of how Daniel Craig got his cameo and just cram cramp Keanu into like some uh, trooper outfit, even though there's no stormtroopers when the acolytes going around. But there's probably some masked warriors. Like I said, just dress him up like a samurai. Give him a fucking face mask. He's ready to go. But I, I, if this is real, Nick's Nick's way is the only way it should happen. That's it. Like that's a true cameo too. It's like yeah. oh look, he's on the screen for whatever two minutes but th that would be perfect yeah. like i i think that i mean that would give fans boners it would uh, you know we would be happy i like it but it's and uh, then hopefully it would be a setup for you know potentially james mangold's movie or potentially like hey, some other old republic i don't know man content. that that makes too much sense like when you and i start making too much sense on a narrative level for future it star wars it yeah, usually means it, there's no chance in fucking hell uh, for whatever yeah. reason and listen, like, hey, we, we didn't put in the time to become writers and whatnot. But I do feel like sometimes fans cook up some pretty good shit as long as they, they, they know their history and know where things need to go. And I do feel like we should be compensated for it, if not hired or um, at least uh, sign, uh, sign on the Dave's team as, as uh, consultants. I don't know, something. Because uh, we're, we're good at this shit. So please <laughs> hook us up. Go ahead. Send out our names, addresses, phone numbers. Do what you got to do. We're here. Although no more talk about socialism and communism. After I saw Oppenheimer, I'm like, Jesus, in this country, you, you probably in, in this day and time, you probably can't say that stuff too many times without getting flagged by AI. <laughs> so no more. No more yeah. communist talk on the Star Wars time show. Oh, shit. All right, moving on to Outlaws. Like I said earlier, um, there, there's a really nice BTS video they put out over SDCC weekend. Go ahead and check that out. We're not going to recap the video. What we are going to talk about a little bit are, are some of the bullet points from the interview that was posted to StarWars.com with Julian Greidy. That's the creative director of the game. We talked about him last week. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty good read. I like Dan over at StarWars.com. He's like one of their main writers. He's been doing it his whole life. He's a lucky son of a bitch. So, yeah, I am jealous and kind of hate him. But I like his work. It was a good interview. But they 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 kind of discussed the fact that I don't think it's sunk into a lot of us, especially if you're not a gamer. But, you know, Star Wars Outlaws is the first ever if you think about how long Star Wars has been around and how long modern gaming's been around, the first ever open world Star Wars game, that is something, if you're a gamer, you should be fucking super excited about, especially if you love Star Wars. And I, I, we're not going to read this interview to you. I, I'm going to kind of highlight it and look for, for Nick's point of view. Um, but, but Star Wars was asking Julian, like, hey, well, why, why does Star Wars work so well in an open world? And, you know, why why did you guys as massive and Ubisoft decide to, to tackle this undertaking? It's never been done before. And, and Julian just kind of went on to say, like, listen, man, I mean. The, the, the history of Star Wars and, and the dedication of its fan bases, it's just ripe. 
to be an open world game for fans for the first time to truly embrace being in the Star Wars galaxy, like living out your own adventure. Sure, you're going to have a few guardrails in terms of like the overarching mission, like the, the main objectives. But what we've been reading, what we've been talking about on the show, Nick, it's it, it does seem like you are going to be able to kind of craft your own adventure throughout Star Wars Outlaws, throughout the main narrative, throughout the different planets you go to and the different characters you meet. And it, it's it's sunk into me a little bit, but just thinking about the possibility this game is going to offer us next year is pretty fucking exciting. It's 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 brand new. I mean, we've we've never had this experience before. Yeah, yeah. I think that like for any like video game developer, I think it's easy to see how Star Wars could be done in an open world fashion. I don't think that that's a hard thing to imagine. I mean, there's so much content out there, just in terms of like locations that you can go to and in variety and landscape and stuff like that. Like it's just like it's really ripe with that sense of adventure because of how open the galaxy is. Like you've just in the movies alone, you've explored like different, like so many different planets, so many different environments, so many different species, so many different types of aliens and types of humanoids and stuff like that, that like you could, you could like sit there for days imagining like the different ways you could put characters into settings and and, and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was and like I guess like that's what makes it so odd that it hasn't been done I up know, to this it's, point. It's wild. Like, well, I mean, you, you got to chalk it up to obviously, you know, when George still owned things, it was, it was a lot of Lucas Arts control weren't really letting the license fly out that often. Uh, and then he sold, and we know what happened. EA more or less just fucking squatted it. Like they they squatted the fucking license. So yeah, that, yeah. that, I mean, sadly, Nick, it's, it sounds like it, it is more business than anything that has prevented an open world Star Wars game. So, uh, it, we're here almost, you know, I, I think spring 24, but th- th- this is a line I loved and I know Nick will too, because we've talked about this when we were playing ghost, uh, you know, other games, Diablo is one that excels at this, but uh, Julian goes on to say like, so you may have some object objectives, but you are going to be distracted by your curiosity as a player that those yeah. are my favorite types of games right now. And, and as long as, like we said a few weeks ago, as long as the map isn't a pile of shit or they, they, they steal Jedi survivors map system, I'll be good. Like just, just use what you did in Assassin's Creed. It's Okay. Just put the fucking little objective markers everywhere. Allow me to plot my route so I can follow a fucking line on the map. And we're going to be good to go. Because if they fuck that up, that is going to drive me nuts. I, I hate, and I hate to say this because I respect the franchise. I love it. But it's one of the reasons I never finish a fucking game in it. Zelda. Zelda is one of the worst fucking open world games at kind of enticing you to explore like it doesn't even help you on the main objectives and someone like me where i'm at now and i don't have a bunch of time i don't want to get on the internet and watch fucking videos on on how to just get past the first mission or find the first mission it sucks so hopefully they are they're, they're taking from you know obviously their work with the division so on and so forth and and we're gonna have very easy to find distractions yeah hopefully so i mean 
that's like the type of game that's super dangerous for me also is like, I know that those type of games, I end up getting like so involved with the and side. Then you don't, you don't finish it. <laughs> you don't finish. That I just, yeah, that I like, like well, you Harry finished Potter. Ghost, didn't you? Did you beat Ghost or no? No. <laughs> oh, you son no. of a bitch. You really, yeah, you can't do it. You have I a problem. I fucking love that game, but I just like, I got, I got And you so were just, you were just saying you didn't do it to Hogwarts. Like Nick, Nick is, I, he might be a bigger fanboy of Harry Potter and Star, Star Wars and you didn't finish that either? No. Like I just started playing. <laughs> like I, in fact, like I, I started playing it again because I was like, oh yeah, like I never actually finished this game even though i played it for probably oh man 40 yeah. plus hours like i just never like I, I did so much of the side stuff that like i get like pulled into it and i'm like okay i'm gonna put it down for a while and i get something else comes up so yeah, see, yeah like it's um it'll and i don't know if this, this is too, guaranteed my, my gaming media days or what but i i still can't start a new game until i have finished the other one it's it's a sickness it's it's the programming I have where you can't have fun until your work is done. And and honestly, I think that's a, a good ethic to have. I mean, I, I kind of like that. It keeps me somewhat focused, even though I, I suffer from the, the ADD fairly hardcore. Uh, but yeah, I, I just hope that it's, it's easy to find these distractions. Otherwise it'll just piss me off and I'll end up not hating it, but not loving it as much as I want to. Nick, you were kind of hitting on this earlier. Um, you know, Star Wars asked Julian about, like, listen, Star Wars always has had such a sense of history to it. And I think we can all agree to that. I mean, the first time you watch Star Wars, it opens with a long time ago. And when I was a little kid, I really thought, like, okay, yeah, this this is... This was real history. <laughs> yeah, we're learning about this shit. And uh, Julian goes on to say, he's like, listen, we are talking about this uh, the other day, but in, in, in A New Hope... The Cantina and Mos Eisley, you know, they're going to fully recreate in the game. And it's because of his passion as a Star Wars fan. He's like, listen, when I first saw that, uh, you know, as a kid, a young adult, I wanted to go, you know, look in that corner or go talk to that alien or look under that table or see what was behind the bar. And that's what this game is going to allow us to do finally. And, and they're talking like Tatooine. I know Nick's not going to love this, but Tatooine is like, their their mega fleshed out map planet. He's like, you're you're gonna be able to go to all these locations you've heard about, and you're gonna be able to 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 go into this store, go into the cantina, you, you know, go up on stage where Figure and Dan was playing with the modal nodes. And to some people, it's like, oh, who gives a shit? But to people like us or me, you know, I love the lore, the history, right there, like Star Wars is saying. That shit gets me excited. And yes, I I could see myself losing time. This would be a game. That even in my old age, I probably would go look for collectibles if they were like little things to read about Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like that, that I like it. I dig it. I'm all about it. Yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously Tatooine has become the center of the Star Wars galaxy, even though it's in the outer rim. Like <laughs> It really just, has, man. It's like crazy. It, 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 you know, it's where the first movie started and it's where the last movie ended. So like it's, it's, I mean, first movie I'm talking about like first release. Hey, it's um, it's where the Skywalkers were from, right? I mean, Anakin's yeah. slave days started there. Luke got marooned there. I mean, that's just that's kind of their deal. But it is getting a little uh, overused. It's, but don't worry, we, we we got more of this. They they created a new planet, so that's pretty awesome. Plus, we're gonna see a few others that popped up in the films. Uh, so the interview kind of goes into, hey, why did you guys decide to go for a scoundrel? You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of you like scoundrel and she's a girl. 
But the, if you read what Julian says, it makes complete sense. Because if, if we would have picked Jedi, Sith, you're, you're kind of locked into a gameplay mechanic that can't vary too much. I mean, you're, you're already all powerful. You can do all sorts of crazy shit. So the reason they want Scoundrel here is I, I'm just going to read part of this. He's like, you know, they were asking themselves as a team, how could we have a lot of different experiences within this open world? You know, driving, flying, smuggling, shooting, sneaking, all these experiences combined into one particular character and character archetype. And essentially through collaboration with Lucasfilm, they're like, uh, duh, that's the scoundrel. That yeah. a scoundrel can do all that type of shit. So that, that makes sense to me, and I, I, I kind of dig that. It's like we, we've played the Force users. We just did, I mean, with Cal. So, yeah, let, let's get behind the yoke of a, 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 a new archetype. And I, so I'm all about it, and it does make sense. And I think that, like, another thing with this is, is like, scoundrels give you the opportunity to, to have a moral compass based off of your own decision tree. So, yeah. like, with... With bounty hunting, or like if you're a bounty hunter, like you have a pretty loose moral compass to start with because you're killing people or capturing people for money. And like that is a very kind of like, like bounty hunters are a little bit too linear because it's like, here's your mark, go get your mark, come back, get your next mark. Like doesn't really work. Like in, in the time period that we're talking about, you really can't do Jedi Sith because there's not any. Um, and, and like realistically, like within the time period that we're talking about, which is like in between episodes five and six, I believe is when this is taking yes. place. Yep. Like you, you are very limited into what you, you're either a rebel, you're an, you're an Imperial, you're a bounty you're, hunter. Like, yeah. Criminal syndicate, like adjacent. Yeah, criminal, criminal syndicate. And like, that's really kind of your, like really it, but like the scoundrel, like even in like, for example, like in our game, in our, D&D game like we're like the title of the series is called Scoundrels of the New Republic and like two of our primary characters are <laughs> like they're they're like smuggler scoundrel types. I, I, they, I, I, I think Chief Matlu has kind of crossed over into Psycho too like yeah a, a, he's like he's he's a, a a new archetype in Star Wars one you probably haven't seen before yeah uh, but it's like but what that does is it makes storytelling easier because you don't have to have reasons to go anywhere. Right. Like if you're, if I'm like, if I'm working on this game and, and like all of a sudden I decide that like we're, our game's about a fucking Imperial, like our main character is an Imperial. It truly like you have to write story reasons for people to go somewhere. Like, like why is this Imperial like whatever, like Imperial scout officer, going to this planet like what's the purpose of their of them going there and then you have to like come up with reasons for it with scoundrels or you know there isn't like the reason is next job where's the next job yeah. baby like, credits motherfucker story. yeah credits yeah. reputation like, credits here's the story of how i get the characters in scoundrels of the new republic to a new planet you got a job there like that's it like that's all it takes or you have a lead on a job there. That's all that's all it takes. But if you if you like put yourself in a bucket to I'm playing a rebel officer, you have a very limited number of things that you can do within the rebel officer scope that that can take you to different places. But if you're a scoundrel, if you're a smuggler like Han Solo, you're like I got a bead on a job and it's in Volusia, then psh, 
that's where I'm going. See ya. You don't have to answer to anybody. Like you go where you want to go. So yep. Great makes total points. sense for a game like this. Yeah. So, so K Vess is going to be our scoundrel and uh, we won't spend much time here because we, we've talked about this in, in the past, but she's, she's a rookie. All right. So she's trying to, to make a name for herself, which means she's probably going to do something stupid, which gets her mixed up in a, a wider galactic conundrum. If you will, she's going to be joined by Nix, who's the little alien thing we we talked about last week. It was essentially going to serve as a BD one. So uh, Nix will be an extension of K's gameplay. You you will be uh, kind of sending Nix to do shit as you're controlling K, just like you did with with BD one. But we did get a little bit, a, a nice little tease. I like for ND five, which is that um, the kind of the repurposed. Uh, commando droid you've seen wearing a trench coat nonetheless and and julian kind of talked about nd5 and, and gave us a little more insights about the the character so it, it is a character that players are going to meet later in the game okay and and nd5 is going to join you as kind of a a minder a bodyguard type of character but he is an observer and uh, all Julian teases us with is we can't wait for players to learn more about him. So uh, he, he I'm not going to lie. He was definitely the most interesting character when they first announced Outlaws. I got nothing against female protagonists, but, you know, Kay looked pretty plain Jane, blue jacket, short hair, something, in a, you know, hair in a bun. But when you see a battle droid, a, a, a commando droid <laughs> wearing a trench coat, you know, it almost looks like it's got a, a lightsaber slash across its chest. If you're on the live stream here, it may have a story. And, and why is it observing K? Why was it assigned as a reminder? So uh, I, I can only assume that however she fucks up and, and kind of takes on something above her skill set, that maybe that person sticks ND5 with them. But uh, the creative director is teasing that uh, he he's excited for us to learn more about this character, which usually means good things narratively. Yeah, no, I mean, it's always interesting when you, I mean, that was kind of the coolest part of Rogue One was uh, K2, like this, this old yeah. Imperial security droid. And like, you're figuring out like, well, what is he doing here? Like, how is he involved with all of this? And then like, his ultimate sacrifice at the end of the movie was probably the most emotional part of that whole film. And easy, you know, it's like when you can do stuff like that, when you can take what would usually just be like a, like a cannon fodder type of enemy or, or, or something that like kind of hangs around in the background or, or serves a very specific purpose and like give it this new history to it and like make it a, like make it have this like, a, like build an attachment to it through your player base. I think that that is like a special type of thing. And um, I mean, like even just like this one question is like, why is he wearing a coat? Is there a reason why he's wearing a coat? And he's like, yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason. And yeah, you'll find gonna, out I, the reason in the game. Like, I like that. That's pretty awesome. Because yeah. like. Says he has what, a complicated you... past and, and Julian believes that ND5 is going to become a huge fan favorite. Yeah. Like, like just think about it, like what reason would a droid have to wear a coat? Like droids aren't <laughs> self-conscious to the point to where they're right. like, well, I don't want to show my shell. Yeah. Like, my bare ass you know, is hanging out. You know, my nuts, literally my cool. nuts are exposed. 
Okay, so yeah, uh, ND5. I, I mean, obviously, I was intrigued just based on his look and the concept art and some of the promo, but now even more so thanks to Mr. Grady here. Um, all right, so it's been established we're going to see Job of the Hut in the game. But Julian went on to explain, like, listen, yeah, we're going to have some new underlords, overlords. In fact, one of the ones you saw on Toshara, or Toshara, which is a new planet they got to create for the game. Uh, that was the one featured in, in the trailer. But they, they go on to explain, kind of like we talked last week, how the, the rep system with these um, overlords, these crime lords, is going to be key where if you're if you're in good with a job of the hut life's going to be great uh, you know in that in that system he's going to be giving you jobs hooking you up so on so forth now if you're on the wrong side of these crime lords they're going to make your life miserable they're going to be sending the seedier sides of of the criminal underworld after you like nick talked about the bounty hunters so you're going to have to choose like how you work with these crime lords and you're going to meet some new ones. And it sounds like you're definitely going to meet some existing ones. I don't know if you're going to get any of the pikes we saw in um, uh, Book of Boba Fett. Maybe you'll get some of them because they would still be alive uh, by then. I don't know if, if uh, Zizor could show up. Uh, yeah, comical content, Goblin Black, Kersantan, you never know. Uh, he could make yeah, an appearance. I mean, and that's the other thing, and I didn't really put it in here because we talked about it, but that's one of the benefits of, of this game setting. It's in between Empire and Jedi. So all those famous bounty hunters are still around. They're still kicking. They're still doing their thing at peak. Uh, you have, if you've been reading the comics or following our, my recaps of the comics on YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show, then you know that uh, Kier and Crimson Dawn really tried to fuck the Empire with their Hidden Empire pl plot. You know that uh, Sidious and Vader, they're having issues with the Force. So is Luke right now uh, because of what happened with Hidden Empire and this Fermata cage going off and some ancient Sith energy fucking up their, their Force mojo. So all this is going on, Nick, which makes it ripe for the syndicates to kind of be doing whatever they want. All right. The Empire, their their leadership and their, you know, their their wizard powers are fucked up. The rebels took a pretty major defeat in Empire. So they're trying to get their shit back together. They've had to get fuel from no space. You Like I said, just go read our recaps for all that shit. So it truly is a fantastic time in the OT for this to take place for fans of that era. Because uh, as they're saying in the live stream chat, as we're saying here, the, the potential to, to get cameos of the big faces is it's, it's nearly unlimited. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like one thing that I really like about this is that like this is the at least the first spot in the game that we're aware of right now that like your decisions are really going to affect how your particular game plays out, like how your playthrough Yeah, and goes. apparently we're getting multiple endings. Did you see that at all? I, I, yeah, I thought I, I saw I that somewhere. About that. Yeah, so I mean, because it's, it's interesting. I mean, because there's different, because, like, because of what I said earlier, like scoundrels have no moral compass other than what they decide to do and the repercussions that come from it. So like, if you're a Jedi, it would be fucking weird for you to just be like all chummy with the crime syndicates. Like it would, it would not make a ton of sense. Um, but as a scoundrel, like totally cool if you're working with the, the crime syndicates and you want to be on their good side so they don't fuck with <laughs> your other business. But it also makes sense if you're like, hey, I'm not like, you know, 
like I, I got my own thing. I'm doing my own thing. I don't want to mess with the crime syndicates. I don't want to get in too deep with these people because I know their reputation and stuff like that. So it allows you to say like, you know, to, to choose how you want to interact with these things. And then your game, like they were saying, like your game will play differently based off of how your reputation with these factions are. Or if you just choose to say like, I'm not going to be like chummy with the, you know, with the crime syndicates, I'm not going to be like somebody who's just doing jobs for, for the hut clan or something like that. Like I'm going to take a different, you know, yeah, I mean, Nick, you, you would have to think as a scoundrel, there there may even be opportunities to work for the Empire or the Rebellion, right? Yeah, Not just I mean, the, the, the crime so. lords. You would hope so. Yeah, I mean, especially at this time where like resource gathering is super important for both sides. I mean, on the on the uh, on the Rebellion side, you just lost Hoth base like Echo base is gone um, from the you know beginning of ESB. Han Solo's capture, you've had like a pretty bad defeat, but then also on the side of the empire, you're actively building Death Star 2. Like you, you are in dire need of a workforce. You're in dire need of materials and everything else. So like, yeah, you don't have, you don't have Cassie in the make fucking, uh, Death Star arrays anymore either. So, or Kino, maybe both sides are like in a resource scramble. So I, I do hope that they like incorporate some of that into the storytelling as well. It's like, Hey, who do you want to help? Like, do you want to go run a job for the empire where you're getting them materials that you need, that they need for whatever, for the death star build, or do you want to, uh, you know, help out the rebellion, help them, you know, like build some new ships or something like that. I think there's a lot of opportunity for, do you think Nick, do you think they, would they bring in a Luke, a Leia, uh, as a digital character? You know, maybe, you know, obviously NPC, they, they might give you a mission or maybe over a hologram or a news story. Like, how direct do you think they get with, with the Skywalker saga big names? I if mean, at I all. Do, do, if at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope they don't shy away from it. Like, okay, I hope yeah, that if too. it makes sense in the story... It that, has that to, man, because of the, the setting. Like, they're they're very active right now. Like, especially if the comics are canon. And, you know, I've read a lot of shit that Luke, Leia, Lando, and Chewie have been getting into since the end of Empire Strikes Back. And they yeah. would... Like Nick said, it's no fucking joke. Like, the Rebel, the Rebel Alliance in between Empire and Jedi was about bankrupt in terms of resources for their fleet. They they literally had to go to no space to find this convoy that got lost in the high Republic era to bring back a shit ton of like, I think it was, it might've even been coaxium just so they could fuel the fleet, which was nearly decimated uh, again with the battle of Hoth and that fallout and some of the comic excursions that have happened. So yeah, you're, you're spot on. Uh, it, it does, yeah, I like that, like, with comical content saying, like, wanted posters for Luke. Yeah, even little shit like that I would appreciate. But I'm with Nick. I, I don't think you can just go, like, no, we're not touching anything Sky... No, you, you the Skywalker saga, let's be real. I mean, it, it is the O-fucking-T. It's where it started. Like, that. that's that's them. That's their shit. That's their era. They are the big names, the big faces. They are the ones driving everything in the galaxy be it their dad or the kids uh and that counts for you know other big name rebels other big name imperials as well um, yeah so 
it, it sounds like Nick, we, we should get the your your run of the mill Star Wars crime syndicates. I, I would hope the they at least address what's happening with Crimson Dawn right now because this is literally when they would have staged the auction to try to sell Han Solo and Carbonite so she could start her whole in hidden empire plan. Uh, Black Suns, Pikes, uh, obviously the Huts. What else? What do you know? And where are some of the name syndicates? Um, I think I hit I the mean, big ones really, like Crimson Dawn, Crimson, the Pikes, yeah, Crimson, the Huts, Pikes, Black, Black Sun. Sun. Yeah, that's that's about it, right? I mean, at that time period, I think so. I mean, the Shadow Collective has already fallen apart by that time. Yeah, um, Maul's dead, so yeah, Kira is so in I charge of CD. Yeah, so I think that that's yeah. I mean, honestly, Nick CD would almost have been it. It it was like a resurgent at this point in time because, like you said, they're all like, "Oh, they haven't been around doing anything for a while," and then Kira shows up and holds this big auction. Vader goes to it. The rebels go to it. I mean, other bounty hunters go to a Boba Fett. It it was pretty wild. So I I do hope they address that because CD Crimson Dawn was definitely operating much differently than the other criminal syndicates at this point in time. In fact, she was trying to get them all against each other so she could focus more on the Sith. Like that, that was her main goal when it all came down to it. Kira knew Sidious invader. They were the problem, not necessarily the empire. Uh, But uh, you know, going on with this interview, Nick, we're going to get a new syndicate. Uh, They're called the Ashiga clan. And apparently uh, Julian and his team, massive Ubisoft, they they created this clan with Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm Games, that is. And they're going to be on Kajimi. So that's the uh, what's her name planet from the Rise of Skywalker. It gets blown up, essentially. (laughs) That one. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Russell's character. Yeah, that one. That Uh, Zori Blitz. There you go. Zori. The one that Poe wanted to fuck nonstop. You know, he kept making innuendos at the end. Like, he was basically... The only thing Oscar Isaac didn't do at the end of Rise of Skywalker when they kind of glance at each other is literally just start thrusting his hips or taking his (laughs) his hand and doing the old in-out, in-out motion. Like, (laughs) you want... Uh, anyways, oh yeah, yeah, you can you can tell Poe wanted to get back into that bliss action here, but we are going to get a new uh, syndicate, and I kind of like why they 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 created a new one for Kajimi, and and what he's saying, and, and I'm going to try to summarize it. Essentially, they wanted to create a faction that was uh, kind of designed a, around a hierarchical society that that looks at you know, kind of does its its ranking, its caste system based on honor, tradition, history. I mean, Nick, it's it's samurai, right? Essentially, yeah, Ashiga clan. I mean, it's as close <laughs> as you get yeah. to, to like samurais, but uh, apparently they're going to, their visuals are inspired by insects and they're going to, they're going to give players a, a whole different gameplay challenge that the other syndicates may not offer. So it's almost like they create this clan specifically to kind of match the planet, but to also give players a new type of gameplay experience. And it, and it sounds like every clan may require, or not clan syndicate, may require players to kind of approach it, the gameplay a bit differently. And I, I, I kind of dig that idea. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really cool. I like that they're like taking a different approach with the, with the syndicate. I mean, I guess, you know, the clan syndicate aspect of it, because usually crime syndicates are very like, 
one, they're not super organized. And two, it's just like, it's literally just like a bunch of people going out there, stealing stuff or doing whatever crime that they're doing. This seems like it's going to be much more interesting. The, in, like the way that they, ins- that they describe them almost reminds me of Killix. I don't know like how many people are even familiar with Killix from Star Wars because I'm not 100% sure if they have been formally reintroduced into canon or not. Um, Killix were insectoid creatures that were hive-minded but and were, were like primarily functioning on Alderaan but they did kind of have that type of structure that you just mentioned. Like they were very based around like tradition and and honor and history. Um, The only thing was it was like, it was a hive mind. So like um, for example, like Jaina and Jaina solo in the expanded universe, obviously not a real character anymore. Jaina solo and one of her companions at that time, like spent a ton of time with, the Killick tribe with like Killick tribes on Alderaan and they actually formed a hive mind bond between the two of them and with the rest of the Killicks. So I'm interested to see if, if this is a, um, if like, if that's an aspect of, of, of the, uh, Ashiga or if it's not the same type of thing, but it is a very similar, uh, similar description to what I know of as Killicks. And yeah, so we're, we're like, going to get, Something new, which is nice. I mean, this game isn't just going to all be familiar. And I dig that, even though it's set in a very, very familiar, tried and true era of of Star Wars. Uh, Back to the planets, Nick. He's only given up three. Uh, Kajimi, Tashara is the new one. And then he really goes in on Tatooine again. And he's like, we we checked out the DK visual guides. We really wanted to make... Or, or, or recreate the most important parts of this planet for players to really dive into is it and explore. The part that has all the sand on it, or is it the part that has <laughs> yeah. the sand I know, and it's the like, mountains on no, it? You know, I mean, it, it sounds like you might be able to roll by the Dune Sea, see how far the moisture farms are away from a most icely. Uh, maybe Beggars Canyons in there. You never know. Maybe you'll you'll see a Womp Rat every once in a while, or a T sixteen Skyhopper flying around. But I'm telling you, man, this guy has got a hard on for Tatooine. So I just, just everyone, let's let's just pray for Nick, okay? <laughs> let's just I, hope. I let's just really hope we do don't spend think. too much time there. But it, 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 so far they've only listed three planets, and I hope that's that's not the the scope. I hope that's just scratching the surface. Yes, and I'm glad yes. that they are making new planets too, because like, yeah, as I mean, much we can't get too upset about there, Tatooine. It's like, how about this? If you include Tatooine, you'll ha- you have to create a new planet. That, that seems yeah. to be the formula to balance it out. It's like you are, you are functioning in an <laughs> entire galaxy. Like you have, you know, like use it, use the galaxy. That's, that's the thing that I've always been frustrated about with star Wars is it's like, you're in this, you're on this whole fucking plane. Like you're in a galaxy far, far away and you only use three planets. <laughs> like fucking show yeah. some more stuff. Yeah, well, you can blame streaming for that. It, it, it's, it's Tatooine is very easy to recreate in the real world or the digital world. So it is very true. Here very we are. True. And then, the, you know, the article just kind of wraps ta- uh, focusing on Tashara, the, the new planet and uh, Julian kind of, explain some of the inspiration behind it. it sounds like it's going to have a, a big urban 
structure, like a big, big city. And they've kind of based its soundscape on uh, Tanzania. All right. So the biome is based on the African savanna, but with huge amberine slabs of crystal. And amberine is beautiful in the game because it catches and reflects light. So Tashar, it's its main city. It's going to be called Mirogana. And it's carved into a a a a mountain right in the middle of of town or the planet. So it should look pretty cool. It should look unique, if anything else. You know, we got that new planet in Kenobi, even though it just kind of looked like what level thirteen thirteen on Coruscant. But hey, it was new, right? It was new. But I do like yeah, that. No, it's, I mean... it's like if the the formula is if you're using Tatooine, then you must create a new planet like that. That's going to be the loop for star Wars narratives moving forward. Yeah. I hope I like just make that a fucking rule because I, I like that, that approach, but I mean, this does sound cool. I mean, I like one, I think that we've gotten to a point in like video game fidelity that you can do something like really cool with this amberine, amberine crystal and like, light reflections and refractions and stuff like that. So I think that like on a good system or on a new console, it's going to look really awesome, hopefully. Um, and yeah, just like come up with some cool shit, man. If you're going to do like a Savannah type of vibe to it, I hope that the creatures that they put on it are really cool too. Like come up with some cool creature design. Yep. Some new aliens. We always take new alien new aliens. That's for sure. Remember, that's why a lot of people hated Andor. Not a lot of aliens, no aliens and bricks. Bricks! No! <laughs> There's fucking rivets in Star Wars. I'm gonna slit my throat. What do you mean that fucking there shit, are screws man. that they use <laughs> in Star Wars? All right. Hey, I, we had a few new screens from the game. Make sure to check them out on StarWarsTime.net. But Nick, while I'm looking at this, I do have to say that the, the last image in the post of Kay's ship, I'm not gonna lie, it, it's a horrible ship design. <laughs> I I typically it's, always think that that the Star Wars concept artists kick ass at, at making sh- vehicles and in case ship dude it, it, I mean it looks like a fucking eight track essentially right it's just a, <laughs> it's a fucking square it, ship yeah. it's like a rectangle it's, a, it's it's very rectangular with not a lot of extras on there I wonder and like again this this is something that like may come into play or not like I wonder if there's going to be like ship modifications that you can do. Like you can I hope add so. Stuff to I it. hope I can just trade it in and get, get a better one. Like I want to <laughs> go to Corellia and actually get a, a good freighter a good for ship. a scoundrel. Yeah. Yes. I think that would be cool. I, I, and I think that like with a game like this, there, it affords you the opportunity to do it. You know, like, if you if it truly is open, like why can't you go to Kuat Drive Yards and get yeah, yourself like, a new I, that would ship, be you yeah know? if you like, could well I'm sure like development reasons are why we won't be able to but yeah it'd be sweet yeah. if we could all you know you know buy something from Corellia in, in the family of the Falcon or the family of the Outrider I mean that the, they just the Outrider and the Falcon the, they scream scoundrel ships I mean that's that's kind of what they were made for. Uh, this just, I don't know. I mean, I guess she is a rookie. Doesn't quite have the, the credits in, in the cred to work a deal to get a better ship. But I, I that's the one thing yeah. I've seen from this game. I'm just like, poo. It's just, it's, it's yeah. a poo, poo ship design. Very boring. Hey, 
very uh just plain jane <laughs> it could be it could be a fucking beater and that's the thing yeah. like in in our D game i gave you guys a pretty sweet ship that's like right bad. off the bat yeah but we, we <laughs> right fucking we bat. stole it though didn't <laughs> we that's <laughs> so. true you did steal it you did you guys yeah, did steal so there, a pretty there, sweet ship right there off you the go bat. yeah, yeah. And then, then we got our toy darian buddy to, to change the codes on and now we're ready to fucking kick some ass there you go. Teaser content for yeah. for Scoundrels of the New Republic. If you guys yeah. haven't watched the show yet, go check you gotta, it out. You got to figure that out when we, uh, we'll we be dropping it. I'm pretty sure we've done Chapter 0, Chapter 1. They're out and available. You can check them out on YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time yeah. Show. But we'll be dropping Chapter 2. It looks like the it's like the first week of August. I don't know the exact date, but I'm going to be out of town. And the way news is coming in, it's not going to be worth Nick doing a solo unless he wants to. So... It's time for the next episode of Scoundrels, and I I, I think we're going to record chapter three in August. Seems we're, yeah. we're getting like one chapter a month, which is just fine. It's just fine. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, that's that's a good, you know, it's a good cadence for people to be able to find time in their schedule to do a show and then also for us to release it. So, um, yeah, keep your eyes out for that because it was a fun one. I think everybody's starting to get in the groove of their characters. Oh, yeah. About things oh, yeah. Are- I think I just did a spoiler too, but oh well, not not, not that many people listen, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. All right, real quick, we got a little PSA for you here. Um, someone, I, we're using Bespin Bulletin for this. I, I I do like the guy, even though he's always begging for money and 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 stuff. But good for him. I, I wish I had that ability, because then maybe people would think we're we're bigger, more important than we are. But anyways. Last week at SDCC, someone on Reddit, SpiderFan77, was at the Lego booth and, and, and noticed something on their coming attractions board that said, Lego Star Wars Mandoween, celebrate the season. And uh, another image, someone grabbed a, a poster at the Lego Brick Buster video booth at SDCC. So it is looking like, Nick, and this has kind of been the tradition the past few years since Disney Plus is around, that we get a, a animated special for the holidays, be it you know Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween. And it looks like we're getting another Halloween, which we had, I think, last year, two years ago with Poe Dameron. Uh, so it looks like Lego Star Wars Mandoween will be a thing, more than likely Disney Plus coming out in October, but nothing official yet. This is just something people scraped from SDCC. So that's what we're here for, right? There's always time for Star Wars time. And even though we barely talk about Star Wars over the summer, we're still here to learn you. All right. Yeah, well, no, I mean, it's these are always little fun things. So, so here's what we're gonna do. We we um as usual had plenty of hot air to spit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save the the special topic, but I do want to tease it because I, I started writing notes down after one day just out of the blue. I, I forget Nick. It, we were talking about it was some it was, it was a random conversation about Tarkin, and we just kind of got in the weeds with it, and we actually got good feedback on that. Like, hey, we'd like you guys to just talk about just more random shit. Like, not necessarily news, but just hear your fan speculation or, or your fan fiction on something Star Wars. So I, I, I've, if things come to mind, I, I tend to write them down. So the one I've been kind of sitting on that uh, we will get to at some point in time is Bigger Hero Planet, Naboo or Alderaan? 
So I think that could be a, a fun little, you know, five, 10 minute discussion or with Nick and I, you never know, 15, 20, 30. Yeah, I mean, that could go a fucking hour. But <laughs> that, that's, yeah, we'll that's see. on the back burner. And, and again, we, hey, we listen to you. So if, if there are topics or, or just random shit you'd like to hear our thoughts on, opinion on, our fan fiction on, you know what to do. Hit that discord. It's open. Drop them in cantina chat. Uh, DM us, do what you got to do. Star Wars time dot show on IG, send message and, and we will add it to the list of stuff to talk about on a rainy day. But since we have been just expelling all sorts of mouth gas, it's time for the SWTS fan segment. That's right, my friends. We do it every week. One of the only, the only Star Wars podcast to dedicate a segment to our very, very tiny but loyal and uh, supportive fan base. So we always do the question of the week. This week, uh, I threw it up on IG. It made it over to Twitter. We got some Twitter replies, some IG replies. So we'll start with that, and then we'll end with the new and maybe improved top five. It was quite a different experience this past week. We'll talk about it a little bit once we get there. But for now, let's do a little screen swapping and see what fans had to say about this week's question which asked them about Rebels. Yeah, Star Wars Rebels characters in Ahsoka. So let's yeah. go ahead and get these up, Nick. I'll start with the first few. Cool, cool. Oh, yes. man. This is, this is a whole new thing with Slack and uh, OBS here. Okay, you, you can do it, Slack. It, it's like it, it's mm-hmm. got to have the window active to even realize it. There it is. Look at that. See, I, I, I'm trying some things. I mean, listen, losing a 16,000 follower account that I've dumped five years into sucked, but there, there definitely are some upsides. We were able to clear the grid. It's all our content now. I'm, I'm trying a few things. You know, I'm doing a, either a quote, random quote of the day, a Star Wars history of the day. Uh, I've got templates now for show clips, if we ever do it, for our picks of the week. So check it out. It, you know, it's a little bit different Star Wars time dot show. We're, we're still trying to cater to you Star Wars artists out there, but it's mostly uh, content we create now and not just reposting your stuff. So uh, engagement is down. Growth is down to be expected. I'm not really going to sit here and worry about it too much, uh, but you know, keep, keep us in your thoughts. Keep, keep pumping up the <laughs> Star Wars time show. Cause we, we took a pretty big hit last week with Meta wiping out our account. But all right, here we go. Question of the week time. Who's your favorite Star Wars Rebel character and why? Just kind of leading people into Ahsoka. Uh, We had our boy Klondike, who hasn't been around in a while, but I think he's dealing with some life shit. He says, old man Rex, because it's Rex, but old. And um, (laughs) I dig it. I don't know, man. I, I uh, the, the way Tamara's been talking, it, it, he he sounds lonely. I mean, I, I know he's a jokester, and recently he's like, yeah, I'm I'm going to Lucasfilm to make sure they don't forget about me and Boba, and he's probably just full of shit. But you never truly know. Do Do you think we'll get the old guy, or or has he died at this point? Just because <laughs> did we try to figure <laughs> out his age? Wasn't he going to be like in his eighties if he makes it to the Mandoverse yeah. timeline? He 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 was going to be old because in in fucking uh in rotj his confirmed character from rotj is like old that dude's definitely in his i mean he was he was old, he's old as fucking rebels i mean he's got a yeah. bald head and, and a white beard yeah remember they're they're all accelerated so 
Uh, I think we had him at like in his 60s around the Rebels timeline. So yeah, he, he'd be pushing like 70 it's, something. It's 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 gotta and like the thing is is like if he's in it, it that's what it's gonna turn into. It's gonna be like, well, how old is this fucking guy? And what do you mean by accelerated aging? Like, is accelerate it's like do you literally only accelerate the aging between like when they're born to what eight, 20 years old, and then after that it's normal? Because if that's the case, then like very different in terms of like life trajectory. But if they have accelerated aging all the way through their life, this motherfucker is dead and long dead. Like, or um, like very geriatric and, and probably wouldn't be doing the old man, Captain Rex type of stuff. We'd want him to see yeah, now, that, no, Don't get me wrong. I, I'd, I'd love to see like a bloated Tamara shaves head, white beard. Cause yeah, remember old Captain Rex put on a few pounds. He's not, yeah, dude, you would have to get a different actor. <laughs> he's not the like, guy we see, even see him bad batch. I mean, he, he was living the good life with Gregor and, and Wolf on that desert planet fishing for shit in the desert. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be, I mean, of course I would love to see him, but it's like, at what point do you have to be like, I'm sorry, all of these clones that you like are dead because of their accelerated <laughs> yeah, it's just, aging. It's a, just fuck, fuck the Republic, right? It's their fault. Yeah. It's like, or you have to write in something. And like I said, this was a storyline that was happening in the old EU where like the, the clones figured out how to stop the accelerated aging. Like, there you go. Yeah, like you could always write that in, right? I mean, again, we're talking yeah, about mean, science fiction. Fiction being the key word, so sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Remember, I mean, just fucking Ahsoka when she like, ripped the chip out, she also stopped my accelerated aging. Done. Yeah, it's like, dude, like there, you can edit genes now, and it's fucking twenty twenty three. So, like in a futuristic society, you can definitely hire some yeah, fucking sure. side room gene editing doctor to go in and fix your aging problem. Like, It'll be a wouldn't be an issue. Hemlock's <laughs> relative. Yeah, something like so. I'm like they they definitely need to address it though. It needs to be addressed in some way because if you toss him in this show, then you have to be like, well, how, where's the rest of them? Like, how how old are they? Are they eighty? Are they sixty? Are they, you know, like what's going on? But I, you know, I would not be upset to see. No, it. not at all. And I hopefully people aren't taking that way. I mean, we're we're all we're all for it. Like, listen, I, I would no, love yeah, to see it. Cool. I would get up. I would point, you could put me in the meme of Leo from that movie, you know, everyone does where he's pointing at the TV, uh, for sure. All right, up next, we got our boy Nate Strong, Corona 4. Man, this is tough, but I'm leaning toward Hera. She's strong, capable, caring, an awesome pilot, a dependable leader, and I love her relationship with Kanan. I, I'm not going to lie, people, I, I, uh, I called these responses today. Hera is heads and tails above and beyond what uh, the other characters some of you picked. So, spoiler leader, alert. Baby. Yeah, I mean, Hera, leader. Hera was all over it. All right, hey, look at it. We, we're on, we got Twitter replies now. I mean, who the fuck knew know. that? I don't even... How did this even get on Twitter? Well, I have an IFTT set up, so oh, if we okay. tag something Star Wars Time Show on IG, it sends it to Twitter now. So, okay. because, okay. you know, without getting... Without talking about too much behind-the-scenes SWTS business here... 
because of uh, Genius Boy Musk and and all these appy changes and X and whatnot. Yeah, share stuff. To yeah, it. The, the, the shit we used to use on our site just it, it's useless now. It doesn't share shit anywhere. So just trying to make life a little bit easier, so I don't have to post individually to Twitter and Instagram. So blah blah blah. And our our Facebook page has been shut down for months. That's another thing Meta did. We put in a review. It's been it's been under review for I think two or three months at this point in time. So yes. Who gives a shit, right? But anyways, here we go. We're getting some Twitter love or X love or can't call it X because it's already owned by other companies. Smart man. Uh, Scales Sibin says, Kane and Jairus because he is a great partner and dad. Also, his final moment was notable. Truly was one of the most touching moments in all of Star Wars, even though it was animated. I remember when I did my rewatch with my daughter a few years ago and it still hit me and she looked at me and was like, why are you such a pussy? So I, I agree with scales here. Nice. All right, nice. Nick, I'll click All right. you into the next set here. Yes. Next up is Mando underscore mugshots. This is from Instagram. Uh, Mando says Hera, the mom of the group that keeps them focused and love her accent when she slips back into her native Twi'lek tongue. I'm going to miss that in Ahsoka for sure. Yeah. I mean, like the voice is definitely going to be different because it's Mary. Uh, and not the voice actress who Vanessa, played Hera. Who Vanessa like, Marshall, yeah. I believe, is the voice. Um, so yeah, you, the the accent's going to be different, but hopefully all of the sensibilities and personality traits are maintained. Yeah, I mean, listen, Hera is a fantastic character. That's why I was excited that they gave her even more love in, in Bad Batch. You know, we got kind of a little prequel check-in on her. She, uh, she's just great and uh, you know she's my 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 type of woman if you've listened to the show in the past you you know i kind of have a little bit of a thing for women with neck tails and uh that green skin just it does something for me it gets my my juices flowing good yeah <laughs> nice and creepy definitely does um good stuff there thank you mando mugshots next up we have the rebel collector on instagram um they said kanan he is the result of what the clone wars made of a lot of survivors he didn't even finish his jedi training and when he met ezra he was confused but did his best for ezra for his ghost family and last for him chopper two uh his or what is that? His wa favorite warlord. Ha ha ha. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kanan, it seems like it's a lot of Kanan and Hera. I'm surprised that there's been no Ezra responses yet. Now we might have uh, one coming up if it made the upload. Yeah, you gotta remember, I, I could barely upload these because That's hey, true. it's a That's Star Wars true. time show. Nothing ever works when we need it to. So <laughs> good point. Well, here Community he is. Right here. guideline Visual. violation. A visual force. He says Ezra ah, because go. of his character development throughout the seasons. I guess the same could be said for Kanan, but Ezra really went from an annoying kid to a true Jedi by the end of the series. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I think that um, Ezra definitely ranks up there for, for me as well. I mean, I really enjoy Ezra and Sabine as like a duo of characters and then also individually because of uh, like all of the stuff around Sabine's parentage, her her life yeah, as a oh Mandalorian, yeah. her fantastic. betrayal of the Mandalorian, stuff like that. I I I really. I mean that that's I, I'm glad Visual Force brought this up because if you think about it, Star Wars Rebels probably more so than than most Star Wars truly did have legitimate character growth for all of its mains, maybe outside of Hera because she was already kind of with it than than yeah. anything else. I mean. 
Kanan went from, you know, fuck this kid, fuck Jedi, fuck clones, to sacrificing himself for his new family. Uh, Ezra literally went from a shithead that was annoying and stealing shit and feeling mopey and sad for himself to a guy that, you know, arguably kicked off the Rebel Alliance and and gave them a fighting chance by taking Thrawn off the map. Uh, Sabine, again, you know, she was kind of veering away from her Mandalorian culture, a little punky. Uh, But by the end, she was wielding the Darksaber and giving it to Bo-Katan as a respected leader. Chopper's just a fucking crazy murder bot, so he stayed the same. <laughs> Zeb, too, he he had growth. I mean, his growth yeah. in particular with, uh, fuck, the spy, the the, the guy. Oh, uh... Callus, K- yeah, Agent Callus. Uh, yeah, Callus, and And the yeah. growth that he showed there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like Visual Force's response. It, it, it reminds me of how well Star Wars Rebels really handled its its characters i mean probably better than than anything before it Uh, it, it definitely like if the clone wars didn't have its final season it it would have blown out that character growth as well but that that final season really at least for ahsoka and and rex super rounded yeah help flesh them out yep good stuff there thank you visual force next up is baron's black series our good old friend spencer he says good guy Kanan Jarrus, he started as a reluctant teacher and scared former Jedi, or I don't know if he meant scared or scarred, but I guess they would both work. Um, Scared former Jedi and through the power of love from his chosen family and the push of precious uh, of a precious student, precocious, actually precocious student. He rose to become one of the most selfless and caring Jedi ever. And then he says, bad guy. Thrawn. It will always be Thrawn. He is such a different kind of bad guy, methodical. Honestly, after reading the Thrawn novels, I don't consider him much of a bad guy either, really. So, uh, I mean, honestly, if you do read the Thrawn stuff, like Thrawn is a is a person that like he doesn't really look at things as good or bad. He just looks at them as like thing as like things that he is you doing, know, things that he's I, interested in stuff. I've been kind of with Baron, like, because I, I don't have any insights into the blue guy outside of Rebels and what Nick has said, and, and I'm fine with that. Like, like again, words and shit, I don't care. But I, I ha- and I know I've, I've kind of asked this to you before, like, he just, he doesn't seem like he would jive with the Empire. Uh, it, it, he, he, really he doesn't does. have the same motivations. He doesn't have the same goals, yet it's like, as you've explained to me, he, it was kind of an ends to a means, sort of. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, it was like, if I do this stuff for these people, then they can help me do stuff for my people, is kind of how it, right. it all broke down. Obviously, like, it, he got, like, way further into it than probably he, he initially imagined, or, like, you know, because, like, he, he was literally, like, you know, trying to broker a deal with the Empire to help them to, like, help the Chiss, like, the Chiss ascendancy and, like, the, the incoming invasion of Grisks and stuff like that. So it was more of, like, hey, like, heads up, like, I will help you guys, but, like, there is a bigger threat out there that's not only going to be a threat to my people, it's going to be a threat to your people, too. So, like, yeah, so, I mean, I he got conned by Palpatine in the end anyways. Yeah, I mean, like ultimately, like he, the, the work that he was doing was probably never going to be repaid by Palpatine. No, I mean, let's like, be. So, 
that's where you almost have to question Thrawn. Like, did did he have an ulterior motive even for so the what leadership? I was say, yeah, like, so what I was going to say is, like, ultimately, he probably thought that he could, like, unseat Palpatine himself. Shit. Like, like, there was probably, like, I mean, I don't even want to Not even falling down because, a shaft can unseat this motherfucker yeah, now, so. Yeah. Not even a, a literal explosion. Yeah, explosion. That doesn't kill him. But like, and I think do, that do you know what like, I'm saying though? Like, I listen. I get it. I, I see Thrawn's brilliance, his strategy, his tactics. But if you really get down to the nitty gritty and think about it, he, he's a fucking idiot. Like he he was a pawn just like anyone else in Palpatine's empire. Yeah, I mean, like he was definitely duped initially, but I think that at a certain point, like he realized, like, all right, I got played, but like I'm gonna spin this, and I, I'm gonna like flip this on its head to make it like beneficial for me okay. still All right. so and then sheep goes um, Psst. hey yeah darth vader go fuck him up yeah basically okay boss <laughs> and that's it like okay it's done yeah, I like, mean, he definitely got a little bit in over his head for okay. sure but okay we'll see what well, happens. i mean, well, I mean yeah right like i mean he's supposed to be the big bad in the mandoverse so here we go yeah. well, i guess we'll see how how bad he truly is. But I, I think, you know, Spencer brought up a good point. I, I felt that way too. All right. That's it. I, I definitely was uploading repeats at that point in time. So, yep. And then the, this last one. So that was it. The last one was from Baron's black series. Yep. Thank you very much to everybody who responded. Thank you to all of you who's already refollowed our new Instagram account. I think we're up to around 450 new follows. Uh, or like, you know, rebuilding the following and we're up to a, a 450 again. So if you have not yet followed, we're up to 480. So we're almost at 500. If you have not yet followed, please go follow us on uh, Instagram at Star Wars time dot show uh, on the IG. That is our new home. Um, so give us a follow. If you're already following us, signal boost us if you can. Uh, YouTube too. Keep that, that. I mean, really, I, at this point with IG being a wasteland and losing all that, we got to shift the numbers to YouTube. Let's go. Keep it yeah, coming. Bring some YouTube subs over there too. Let's if go. you have, if you don't Tuesday nights or, or they can watch the replay. All right. You don't have to be here live. We're nice. We let you, we let you watch the recording and then we got the, 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 the audio stuff coming out a day after. So let's uh, let's pump go. these numbers up like real on real platforms, not meta platforms. All yeah. right. So, so, Nick, that brings yeah. us to the top five. That is it's slightly different now. So I'll, I'll go ahead and explain it, then let Nick kick off his selections. So uh, we used to have a very nice system where you use our hashtag Star Wars time show and you'd add tag Star Wars time show. And then every morning I would look at all that stuff and uh, take your image and repost it to our profile to try to give you a bump with also hoping to get a little love from the interaction. Um, but we were shut down last week. We don't know why. We can only guess maybe someone reported us for taking content. None of it makes sense. It's not worth you know diving into. You just, you're never going to figure it out. That's the power of social media companies. Watch your asses. Um, so the way things happen now to try to save ourselves from getting blow, you know, flamethrowed from Mark, still use the tag. Even more importantly now than ever, when you, when you want us to see your work, do add tag Star Wars Time Show. Now, I'm not even talking typing at Star Wars Time Show in the, co in the caption, like add tag Star Wars Time Show. So if you do both of those things, I'm going to see a shot. 
So these days, instead of featuring them on our profile, what I do is I grab the images, I, I make sure the artist's name is still there, you know, there's a watermark, all that fun stuff, and uh, we're, we release these daily picks of the week reels, so little videos that, that kind of show off the ones I feature. Uh, and then what Nick does now is, I don't even know how he does it, like I, I feel like his job mm -hmm. has gotten harder because Instagram has made hashtags mostly useless in terms of being able to see posts in order you just you can't you can only see top posts or recent top posts and recent top posts can go back as far as may but he did it he picked his five out of the 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 hashtag star wars time show and the ad tag star wars time show maybe he watched some of the videos i don't know but he found five gonna, and now we're gonna honor honest them with you, these are all straight from the tag section Okay. Just straight from that, tag. I, He's not I, wrong. Like I, we want you to use the, the, the hashtag, but truly the best way to get seen on Instagram for any account is add tag, tag the account. Okay. Plain and simple. So that's, that's how I got these. So let's kick it off. And, and I'll tell you right now, some of these are new accounts. Some of these are old accounts. Some of these are low follow accounts. Some of these are high follow accounts. Like it's all over the place. So if you want to get involved, like I said before, uh, add tag, add tag Star Wars time show. Cause that's where I pulled the top five from. And Hey, look at this first up. This is at comic dad shots. First time feature. He's got 599 followers on Instagram right now. So if you're not following him, make sure to go follow at comic dad shots and look at this. I mean, like, this is an incredible shot hearkening, like reminds me of, of some Sir Dork work, some old school, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's a, a stormtrooper with like a javelin. It's fucking yeah, great. I know. It's like, it's, it's just an awesome shot. Uh, you know, uh, everything Kylo brings back like old vibes from, from Jesse. Oh man, well, that is, that is an account, man. I, I hope he's okay. He kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He he might have gotten involved with like his family life more and stuff like that. Who knows? But this definitely like gave me like Sir Dork, everything Kylo. Vibes. Oh, we got hey, we got That's comic a, dads in here. He stuck around. <laughs> he he somehow yeah. sat through the slog and has made it the to his show. honoring. But yeah, so I mean, this shot is incredible. I love. So what we're seeing here is a battle worn and tested stormtrooper carrying a giant uh, rocket launcher on over his shoulder. And an explosion happening in the background. You can click through some of the other images as well to see different angles or different uh, like variations of this shot. And it's just a great, like it is great weathering job done on the figure itself. Great job capturing the uh, the bokeh in the background from the explosion. Perfect use of, of smoke and atmosphere in, in the shot itself. So it just all around, just a fantastic shot here from, from Comic Dad shots on Instagram. Yeah, you're you're right with the Sir Dork stuff here, and Comic Dad just reinforced it. And he he's been learning from the master. But I, when I look at this Comic Dad, I'm like, damn it, why don't I do this anymore? Because <laughs> the fun to me, Nick, it, 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 it was it was looking at what the camera captured, and and I can only assume that's why Comic Dad uh, loaded these other shots. Because sometimes it is hard to pick your favorite one because you never know how practical effects are going to react the moment that fucking shutter shuts and you can get wildly different looking lighting, wildly different looking effects. And, you know, as I scroll through here, I'm like, damn it, that's, I used to love that part. Even though you're looking at probably a hundred shots per figure, that was fun. Kind of whittling down. All right. Did my, did my camera capture the explosion the way I had it in my mind? So, uh, 
there we go comic dad shots there we go good stuff <coughs> next up in the top five is at six the number one six underscore photos they've made the top five for uh for sure and what we have here is just like a fantastic portrait style shot yeah. of good old anakin skywalker pre way better than this my is- portraits <laughs> <laughs> This is Rot's Anakin that we're looking at here. Uh, still whipping his blue lightsaber. It has his uh, his General Skywalker garb on. You can see the the symbol of the Galactic Republic there on his shoulder pauldron. And it really is just a fantastic portrait that uses uh, great use of atmosphere, excellent use of, of the blue lighting uh, from the lightsaber to like give a, a blue glow on the left side of the portrait and also on the left side of Anakin's face. Um, yeah, I mean, just all around excellent, uh, uh, portrait of, of Anakin here. Yeah, I, I dig this, man. I mean, I have this figure. It's a kick-ass figure. If you are in the one six scale and you can still get this guy, he's, he's highly recommended. I'll tell you what, Nick, they, uh, and we, we put out a preview of it. They're hot toys is going to, re- they're releasing a real hair episode three, Anakin Skywalker figure. And if you look at the pictures, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, yeah, like you have to fucking like comb the motherfucker's hair. And at first I was like, oh, I got to get this. I got to get this. But then I remembered I have a it's a real hair Chewbacca and they're they're a nightmare. Like, dude, they ship them with a fucking brush so you can like sit there and and work it out and make sure it doesn't look like, he, you know, he's like an 80s. A stay-at-home mother so i'm just happy with my plastic hair anakins at this point in time don't think i'm going for the the real hair but hot toys it, it sounds hair. like yeah, it's, it sounds like they're going to start a new line and it's like dx artisan series that's going to have rooted real hair on the figures Fucking weird as hell, but I'm sure people will buy it. It, it so. looks it looks great, but like I just I think the upkeep is gonna be too much. I already have my Rots Anakin one six scale, so fuck it. But it's not about us. It's not about rooted hair. It's about six one six and their great portrait. It's it's good enough that I, I feel like editing some of my portrait shots from about four or five months ago that I have not shared. Cause I've got a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine new hot toys to put away, which means picture time and i'm I'm actually kind of getting excited for it I, i've I've been uh exploring a lot of my hobbies it's like hobby add uh, but i guess that's okay i'm doing something right in life if i have hobby add you know i can't bitch too yeah. much oh well, yeah i mean that's that's a good thing to have so, yep. so that's our boy uh, at 616 underscore photos on the gram good stuff next up is Star Wars Rick, Star Wars <laughs> underscore Rick on When Worlds Instagram. Collide. Yeah, no, I know. I love this shot. So what we're seeing here is basically a a a split or like a, a mashup shot between Indiana Jones and Star Wars. And what you see it through is the lens of the two characters that, that Harrison Ford <laughs> plays. So on one side of the bar, you got Han sitting right next to Lando. On the other side of the bar, you got Indy, Indy sitting right next to Sala. They're sitting like right next to each other in a conversation. I love the caption from it too. We see Marianne and Leia in the back talking. Yeah, Marianne and Leia in the back. You got Boba, Boba and glasses and you have guy. Abner Ravenwood in yeah. the back. And yeah. Chewie's in the back too, <laughs> right next to I think that's I, the, his colleague from 
from Indy's colleague from college. I can't remember. His I, name. I just like, like look at Han Solo's look like Han is kind of looking at Indy, like get the fuck away <laughs> from me. Yeah. Like what, what's going yeah. on here? I mean, it's such a cool <laughs> shot that incorporates like the two of the Lucasfilm franchises that Han Solo has helped or that Harrison Ford has helped. There you build. go. <laughs> You're like my kid. Hey, there's Han Solo and in Indiana Jones. Yeah, it's like, like no, no, it's his, a real person. His, his real name is Harrison Ford. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I just, it, just like the way that that Star Wars Rick put this together, getting all those characters in there, having basically like all of the like the matching sides yeah, of both exactly. of them. Like, you know, it's it's they're, just they're fantastic. foibles or whatever that's called. They're, they're, the, the 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 parallel characters between Jones yeah. and Star Wars are definitely present. Very well yeah, done. So. Uh, love it at Star Wars underscore Rick. Make sure to give them a follow because this is a banger of a shot for sure. Really good stuff. Uh, next no, up Jesus, in the top, dude, this five, is just fucking amazing. Yeah, I mean this this one is so hard not to put in. This is oh. from at Press Pause Photography. My Press guy, underscore Pause underscore Photography underscore. And this is a this is a, basically a scene recreation shot. From it's my scene, man. I mean, this image checks everything for me. I mean, we, we've talked about this. This is my movie. This is my scene. These are my moments. Yeah, I mean, this is the 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 ultimate moment, the ultimate showdown, father and son showdown on Death Star Two. In the background, you can see Palpatine, but the star of the show and the star of this shot here is definitely Vader wielding his. Red lightsaber, the red glow just illuminates God. the whole shot. In the foreground, you see the back of, of Luke with his green saber out and ready to duel his father. The ultimate duel to decide uh, the fate of the galaxy, you could say. And, and man, I mean, Press Pause really just fucking brought this shot to yeah. life by really blowing out the colors it's, on these lightsabers. That, that's it, man. It's like it, it's, some, it's some of the best lightsaber vfx i've seen i know that's silly because it's all in post and it's photoshop but it just it works like vader vader looks fantastic i mean th this is another shot that just proves my point that he is the the coolest looking character of all time good guys bad guys it don't fucking matter i mean the dude you're just you're never gonna beat that you're never gonna beat that the fucking helmet the mask the chest plate the electronics on the on the torso God, it just, it looks great. I mean, it, it's a, this is a, this is a, an, an, an advertisement for Hot Toys figures too. That, that's mm -hmm. the other thing. I mean, I have this Vader. It's one of my prized pieces. I love them. I talk to them. I caress them, put them to bed. Uh, fantastic stuff. I mean, press pause photography, nailed it. Lighting, figures, placement, perspective, focus quality i mean connor connor is like so good well, yeah, he's, he's I, a I filmmaker he, he, like, he understands this shit you know like he, yeah. he understands how things stories are told through imagery just yeah no dude it's like he's he's like a top tier creator i, I will in, tell in you this movie. this vader figures hands though suck like this, this is really? a guy nick if i had him outside he may have got tossed like uh sh figure arts tlj luke but uh, his his hands do not want to go on their pegs very well because his whole hand is the glove and everything. So you gotta like oh, jam the peg through the the glove part and hopefully you hit the little hole at the end. <laughs> this is not well, sex education, by the way. We're talking about playing with our action figure accessories. 
Jamming oh, holes. Man. All right. Good stuff. At Press Pause Photography on Instagram. Make sure to give them a follow. And the final one in the top five this week comes from Anthony underscore 501st. This is another first time feature here on the Star Wars Time Show's top five with this new format. Anthony 501st gives us an awesome, almost like poster style shot here for Clone Wars, Star Wars Clone Wars TV series, with our feature character being uh, Wolf up here. Um, and he's flanked by uh, three other of the good old phase. I think these are these are phase two clones because it's they're like different helmet shape, right? Yeah, but, those are phase two. Um, yeah, phase two clones here. So I just loved it. I thought it was a great job of like uh, posing all of these figures with Wolf as your front and center, using the Star Wars Clone Wars logo on it, almost making it like an advertisement for Clone Wars. Like, hey, go watch it. These awesome characters are in it. Um, and then I don't know where he is in the world, but it's just a cool background. He's got him behind too, almost like a, almost like a beach kind of like a beach cavern type of area. So, um, awesome work here. Anthony 501st here. Really enjoyed the shot. Yep. Yep. I mean, clones always look great, especially when you put lasers in their hands. I mean, we got, yeah, wolves up there and looks like you got some wolf pack and some 501s. It's, I mean, listen, I, I just sat here essentially pleasured myself to Darth Vader. So I am very much into what becomes the Imperials. And we all know, you know, the clones, at least the armor, whatnot shaped that look for the, the TKs and then the full on stormtroopers. So I, I've always appreciated the clones. I, I, are you a phase one helmet, Nick, or phase two? I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of the phase one. Phase one, I, I, you like the shark yeah, I, fin and and the slit like visors. The yeah, yeah, I, I like the fin. I like the visor shapes in those too. Yeah, I think that those are probably my favorite helmet shape of of everything. Yeah, yeah see, I you always got to wonder like how a, how a wolf character got to do like the the slit eyes, you know? Like if we're looking, yeah, in, like he in this shot from different. Anthony, he he's got a special look, and and a few others had that. I think Rex. Rex whipped his phase one for a little bit longer than, than most, but I don't know. I mean, I, I might be phase two. I, d- I do like the, but phase two gets very close to the stormtroopers. If you know what I'm talking yeah, about. So pretty, pretty similar, but uh, yeah, I like the, the phase one, how it retains like a, a bit more of that Mandalorian helmet style. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I like, I like, Phase two, two, but phase one just has that. Yeah, you you would have think when Django sold his jizz, he'd be like, "Hey, uh, do you guys want to like learn about our armor or anything for these clones, yeah, like, or are you just going to use like, that no, dura steel shit? Yeah, that yeah. plastic dura steel. Uh, Is it plastic? Okay, well, I guess you can do that too. But yeah, so good stuff. Anthony underscore five zero first on Instagram. Make sure to give him a follow. That's the end of the new top five. And that's the end of this show. So, Matt, go ahead and close us out. That is the sound of the end of the show. That is a new, a new sound we have here. Or it's the sound of happiness. You never know. But Nick is not wrong. 271 is about to be put to bed. But thanks for coming out here, playing with us, hanging out. Comical content, Goblin, Comic Dad 42, some new faces in there. Hopefully you'll come back. If you are new and you're sitting here watching our dumbasses, why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button maybe and uh, maybe drop a comment, tell your friends, do the likes up, all that fun stuff. 
I forgot to hit this the, the entire cast. There you go. Like, share, subscribe, and notifications. That's what we need you to do on YouTube. If you forget how to find us on YouTube, that's why we got StarWarsTime.net, which you can check out on the internet. As long as you're connected, it's free of charge. StarWarsTime.net, we've got links to YouTube. We've got links even better to uh, the podcast platforms. That's right. If you don't want to watch us live or see our ugly faces, we put this show out on podcast platforms a day after it is done being broadcasted. So typically Wednesdays, you're going to find us on the uh, uh, you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Pandora, the big stuff. So if you're on there, or if you're not on there, why don't you go ahead and, and follow along just for shits and giggles? We got to pad those numbers. We need the AI overlords to know we are cool more so now than ever because uh, they kind of literally the AI overlords uh, cut us off at the at the legs there with with Instagram. So just keep it going, man. Pound those drums, my friends. We do appreciate you. Uh, like I said, new people. Hopefully you'll come back. Tell a friend. Trick a friend, maybe. If you thought it was torture and you hate somebody. Let them know that, hey, hey, this was awesome. Go watch it. Tuesdays, 5 p.m. YouTube.com slash Star Wars Time Show. And then go, I just wasted two hours of their life. But in the end, if you've been around, and hopefully if you're new, you will come around to our mantra. Hamana, hamana, hamana. There's always time for Star Wars time. Okay? There truly is. If you think about the statement, say it to yourself. Oh, Comic Dad, we're on TikTok. They don't give a fuck about us over there either. So that's why we got to do this every week. At this point in time, I will say we are being held down by the man. Uh, maybe it's uh, the, the Pizzagate people. I don't know. I, I will definitely buy into a conspiracy theory about why Matt and Nick don't have a larger following. Because I'll tell you right now, we're better than any of the other motherfuckers you will watch on YouTube. You're not going to get all this grievance bullshit or the wang. You're not going to get all this bullshit like people getting fired every other day from Lucasfilm. You get it real. You get educated. You get finance. You get video games. You get what you get. There's always time for Star Wars time. And don't forget, if you listen to the Star Wars time show, the Force will be with you always. <laughs>